afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville, a matinee edition here at 1 o'clock Eastern on your Thursday, the 25th of January. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. A little bit more of a dressed-down look. We haven't styled up the hair today. Figure we'll go more natural as we get this 1 o'clock show in the books because we are coming up on the last month of the regular season. We're calling today the kind of the backstretch finish. If you're in a horse race, we've gotten the front stretch underway or done. We've gotten the the first turn taken care of. We are near the end of the backstretch looking at the final turn and getting set up for the stretch run. If you don't understand horse racing, you'd understand. If you've got questions for us, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. We're also on social media pretty much everywhere as D3Hoopsville. The exception to that would be Facebook, where we're just Hoopsville. But Twitter slash X, Instagram threads, and YouTube, it's all D3Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting as well on Facebook and YouTube. But if you want to watch us on your big screen, if you have one in your office or if you're at home, or if you just want to watch us on another medium, you can join us on the Team One Sports app. That's our friends at Blue Frame Technology and Huddle. It's Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Roku. All that information on the bottom of your screen. Lots to talk about in Division Three. Obviously, as we get down to the end, it was a bit of a wild night on the men's side Wednesday night as a lot of top teams got knocked off. It looks like maybe the York Spartans have figured out what we thought they had at the beginning of the season, just hadn't seen as of yet. They knocked off a second top 25 team in two games. They knocked off Hood in the previous game. And then last night, they knocked off Widener. Remember, Widener lost to Hood. So it's an interesting race going on in the MAC Commonwealth. Congratulations to the Spartans as Chris Myers had 23 points on 9 of 12 shooting for a 20-point win at home for the Spartans. Calvin also lost to Trine. They got a big game to the uh, Knights with Hope coming up, and Trine has just rearranged the MIAA race. Uh, Calvin falling, we should point out, also at home so york wins at home calvin loses at home in a battle of 4v7 it was a close one 74 71 remember hope played at calvin calvin won by a handful of points in a game that they led the entire way hope came back made it interesting hope then went played trying the next game and got beat by double digits in a game that didn't seem that close and now trying has beaten calvin with Hope and Calvin playing again soon. I think Saturday, actually. I could be wrong. So, interesting top of the MIAA on the men's side as things have gotten wacky. Uh, don't look at the WIAC, but things, just as you thought were settling in, have not. Stevens Point knocked off yet another top team in the conference. They knocked off Platteville this time. Uh, Whitewater was the previous victim for the newly-led Pioneer or not pioneers. What am I talking about there? Pointers. Um, that's where it was. Pioneers is Platteville. Pointers is Stevens Point. I have pioneers on my mind because today we'll talk in a few minutes to Jeff Gard, the head coach of Wisconsin Platteville. Obviously, we'll talk about last night's game, but we'll talk about the Wyack race as well. Um co-defeated Loris, by the way, in an ARC battle, which may or may not help. Top 25 voters. Oh, Lord. 
Uh, let's see if I have this straight and, and I, and I, I'm going to be honest, I may not have this straight without looking it up, but Coe defeated Dubuque, lost to Nebraska Wesleyan. Coe has now beaten Loris and, and something tells me Loris. Yeah. You know what? This is too complicated. Give me a moment. We're going to look this one up. I didn't think we were going to go in this in this depth uh, of this one, but he, here we are. <laughs> By the way, all this winning and losing has brought Central back into the race, and Dubuque has fallen pretty far down. All right, so Co has lost to Nebraska Wesleyan. That is their only loss uh, in conference. They have beaten Dubuque. They have beaten Loris now. Nebraska Wesleyan, in the meantime, has beaten Dubuque, and they have beaten Co. And they lost to Loris back at the early part of the season. They've got Loris coming up next. Loris, in the meantime, as we mentioned, has lost to Coe now twice. They lost to Coe at the end of November. They've now lost to Coe as of Wednesday night. Uh, They have also beaten Dubuque. And as we mentioned, they've got the game with Nebraska coming up, the second one, because they beat Nebraska Wesleyan earlier. Are, are you keeping track? Central has entered the mix. They're 7-3 and three in conference play now. They lost to Co. They lost three in a row to start January, including losses to Loris and Nebraska Wesleyan. They've got Co coming up next and then you go to Dubuque which we were many of us were high on because they had beaten Nebraska Wesleyan back in November. They lost to Co. They lost to Central. They lost to Loris and they lost to Nebraska Wesleyan in the last five games with a win over Simpson uh, in the game before Nebraska Wesleyan. So four of the last games have been losses to Co. Central, Loris and Nebraska Wesleyan with their lone win being to Simpson. So Dubuque has fallen on some tough times and the IRC race has just gotten more complicated. Gotta love Division Three basketball, man. It is awesome. So Dubuque is six and four, Central seven and three, Laura six and two, Nebraska Nebraska Wesleyan eight and two, Co nine and one. That's the race. Buena Vista is three and six, Warburg's two and eight, Simpsons one and eight, Luther's one and nine. So it is a top five race right now with everybody within three games, essentially. And everybody's playing everybody, as we all know at this point. So that's just bonkers. So you've got all of that going on last night. And the NJAC race, by the way, is also bonkers. That was a key to last night. On the women's side, by the way, hats off to Milliken's Elise Knutson. 2,000 points now in her career. She is nine short of Milliken's school record, which was held by two, which is held by two-time D3Hoops.com first team All-American Lindsay Eipel. So, yeah, got that going on for as Milliken defeated Illinois Wesleyan, avenging a loss they had earlier in the season, and they did it to the tune of 94-75. Milliken's back. Uh, that is creating a first-place tie with Illinois Wesleyan atop the CCIW. Obviously, that's going to come the tiebreakers since they split the regular season. Uh, Catholic uh, women are 18-0 now as they got past Susquehanna. We should point out Catholic men beat Susquehanna yesterday as well. We'll have Catholic men's basketball on this show coming up. Aaron Kelly will join us to talk about his Cardinals squad, who I got to see recently. Looking forward to that conversation, to say the least. Uh, by the way, Wyack race on the women's side, yeah, it is become a bit, a bit of a mess. Uh, it's Whitewater has lost. That's that's the start of this. 
So Whitewater took its first loss. They're now 6-1 and one in conference play. Oshkosh lost to Eau Claire, so they couldn't take advantage of the Whitewater loss, so they stay a game back. So Whitewater and Oshkosh remain up top, but Platteville and Eau Claire are now tied at 4-3, and three, two games back of first place. Again, Whitewater, their first overall loss, period, to lacrosse. They've got Eau Claire and Oshkosh in the next two, so it is not going to get easy for the Warhawks. Again, Oshkosh losing to Eau Claire. They've got Stout next and then Whitewater and Eau Claire. And Platteville on the women's side has lost three of their last seven. Now they're four and three in the last seven. Make it four and four in the last eight, going back to January or December 30th. Uh, their losses are Eau Claire, Oshkosh, and Whitewater. Got a win over Stevens Point. They got lacrosse, Eau Claire River Falls ahead. So Platteville's got a little bit of the easier side of the conference, so nothing's easy in that conference. And Tanya England's squad in Eau Claire, who had started the month of January losing three out of four and four out of five, dating back to the Transylvania game on December 30th, have now won three in a row, including lacrosse and Oshkosh. And as we mentioned, they've got Whitewater next and Platteville after that. So the WIAC race on the women's side heating up, to say the least, thanks to a loss by Whitewater again last night. Yeah, lots of fun stuff going on, to say the least, in Division Three basketball. Uh, I know a lot of you are fans of D3 boards, and it has been down now for over a month after some major hiccups in the month of December. Um, we may get a quick message from Pat Coleman about D3 boards coming up that we will air on the show. Pat may get, be able to get that turned around. We'll get it aired here on the program with an update there. I don't know what the message is. However, I do know that Pat is, has hired some individuals to try and update coding and structure of that, of a system that's 20 years some odd old, I'm guessing. Uh, so he doesn't want to lose all the history there by starting over with a whole new system. So that is the, the, the crux of it, from as I understand it, but we'll hopefully hear from Pat here a little bit later in the show. If we don't, we'll have that update for the next show, and I'm sure it'll be on social media as well. But I'm hoping uh, I, I got the message right before air. I should have gotten it. It was sent to me an hour ago. I missed it. Uh, but hopefully we can hear from Pat here and get something put on the air for all of you to understand what is going on with D3 boards and the effort to get those back up and running. I know a lot of coaches have used it to try and schedule games, and a number of coaches have contacted me, and I'm sure the coaches have contacted others on our staff about it. Um, it, is, it is being worked on, and we're trying to preserve that oral history of Division Three basketball and football and lacrosse and soccer and all those that are used to chat about things out there. So uh, that's our hope. We're looking forward to hearing from Pat and see what he has to say about that. I'm, I'm seeing some weird flickering on my uh, camera, by the way. I hope you're not seeing it. If you are, uh, I'm not sure why that is happening. We'll try and look at the settings and see what, what that's all about. I haven't seen that before. Um, all right, guests today. We already mentioned two of them. Coming up, we'll be talking to Platteville men's basketball coach Jeff Gard. We'll switch to women then after that. We'll talk to Baldwin-Wallace women's basketball coach Sherry Hara about her team in the OAC race, et cetera. I think that Baldwin-Wallace team, many didn't have high expectations because of how much they lost last season, and maybe they're flying further under the radar than we would normally associate for the Yellow Jackets. We'll talk to Coach Hara about all of that here in a bit. Uh, also coming up, we will talk to um, uh, St. John Fisher, sorry, upstate New York. We'll head up to talk to the Cardinals up there. Speaking of flying, uh, three of our guests have flying mascots. 
We'll talk to uh, Melissa Kuberka about her squad and how well they're doing in the Empire 8 race. Then we'll head down to Washington, D.C., go back to men's basketball, talk to Aaron Kelly, as we mentioned, from Catholic. There's another Cardinal. So we got two Cardinals, a Yellow Jacket, and some Pioneers on the show. And we're going to finish things up today with Jim Haney. It is National Officiating Week. We'll talk to Jim Haney, who's the Division Three men's uh, coordinator on officiating. We were hoping, 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 I'm not sure where hoping came from, hoping to just also have the women's coordinator, um, but unable to get that guest on the show for this week. It was a little bit of late timing on my part, um, which I certainly uh, apologize for, um, for anybody who was certainly interested in that. But we do look forward to getting... Uh, not only Donnie Saund- Saunders or Sa- Souders, Souders, Donnie Souders on the show, but I've got a bit of a of a great little segment we're putting together about officiating. Uh, couldn't get done for this week, um, but we will try and figure it out down the road. Uh, little family matter here. My aunt BJ listening to the show. Delighted to catch your show in the afternoon. Was wondering about the lighting. Your shirt has been turning green and then blue. Kind of fun, actually. Well, she can see the green and blue change. I can't. I'm wondering if my shirt is fooling with the camera. I went with a low, a laid back look, um, with a blue today, and just the t-shirt look instead of some former polo, which I had planned to wear, which is a darker blue. And maybe it's just fooling with the camera. So maybe if we stay a little bit further back from the camera, it will handle the uh, coloring a little bit better. We can stop that flickering from happening. It's very interesting, to say the least. At least the camera's still up and running, and we're not scrambling to replace it and figure out why Facebook has stopped our stream again. So there you go. That's what we got ahead of us on the show, including flickering of cameras. Reminder, Thursday shows pretty much for the rest of the season are going to be at 1 o'clock. Uh, the lone exception will be February 15th, which will be the top 16 show. We are already crafting that together. Uh, it is going to be the same, essentially, as in terms of uh, setup, but we may have to make some different arrangements in terms of um, how we put it together. Uh, we'll have more information about that. We're also, we will literally decide in the next 24 hours if a, let's call it mini marathon, will be on the air. We are looking, I'll tell you this, this is the only day we can put this together. This is it. If we do the mini marathon, we will not do a show next Thursday. We will do a show on Friday, February 2nd, and it'll air for about six some odd hours. I don't want to make too much of a promise there. I have an event in the evening that we that I need to go to, but I've got most of the day available. If we punt on Thursday, we can get the marathon in. It won't be the eight to ten hour, even twelve hour that we have done in the past, because I do have an event in the evening. But we may be able to pull it off where we do it starting late morning, um, ten Eastern at the earliest, maybe more like eleven. And go until five. Um, I think maybe we can bleed it to six, but we're kind of risking my event later in the evening. So we might be able to get to six. The problem is if I go later, I can't turn around the uh, the podcast as quickly. So that might have to wait till Saturday, but we'll figure it out. If we get this signed off on and we can get it done, we will try and do a mini marathon on friday february 2nd that's our hope we'll also make it part of our fundraiser so there you go you've gotten the update on that uh so with that in mind we're going to sign off not kidding just kidding we're going to take a break when we come back we will start talking to our guests we got to talk uh quite a bit if you know with wisconsin plantville's 
Jeff Gard about not only a maybe not surprising result last night, but how his team's reacting to that and the WIAC race and much, much more. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the, from, uh, the Hoopsville Studios. We'll be back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, 
administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday matinee show. Uh, if you're wondering where the you know usual sign is over my left shoulder that tells us who's going to be on the show and whatnot, um, it wasn't able to be put together. We we made a mistake. We have Wisconsin Platteville, so UW Platteville. We have uh, Baldwin Wallace, two words, St. John Fisher, two and a half, let's call it, and Catholic. And as my son was helping put the sign together last night, he, I also heard a, I think we're running out of L's. There's a couple in Platteville. There's a couple in Baldwin Wallace. There's a couple in there's one in Catholic. And yes, I went up today to check it, and we've run out of L's, and and we'd run out of I think some other letters, despite having a lot of letters. <laughs> so I decided to abandon it. It just wasn't worth putting up UWP SJF BW and CUA. It just felt boring to me. All right, let's talk guests. Platteville's our first one. The Wisconsin Wyack race. Uh, that's redundant, but whatever is off to an interesting start, but it's got even more interesting last night, as we discussed at the top of the show, I think everybody had their eyes on whitewater to start this season with their interim head coach coming off of a final four, uh, run that certainly caught a lot of people by a tent, uh, off guard. Platteville came in off or came into a season off of a 14, 12 campaign. A lot of other changes in the conference maybe got everybody's attention, but here we are Platteville sitting on top of the conference. Now by a game over Lacrosse and River Falls, interestingly enough, Whitewater, Stevens Point, and Stout are all three and four, three games back. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about it, despite a stinging loss last night, is Jeff Gard. And Jeff, A, I appreciate you joining me on this show. B, has anybody called for your head yet? Or are, are you on the hot seat yet for last night's result? <laughs> um, no, the, uh, the only one that... That's uh, that's a little hot right now. Is probably my eight year old son. Um, he did not handle that loss last night very well, from what I've what I was told when I got home, and from quite a few of my fans. They said uh, he was a little pissed off. Let's just put it that way. So wow, really? Good. Maybe he sees dad's upset sometimes too. That's the way he rolls. But no, it uh, we're good. We're good. Hey, it's a new day. This is the WIC. If you're not uh, if you're faint of heart, it's not the league for you. Amen. I could not agree with you, and I want to dive into that in a bit, but I am now mind-blown about your eight-year-old. That That is just epic. Now, my question, is he angry at the result, or is he angry at, at yourself for some reason? Is this more complicated? Do we need to get a specialist? Um, well, I'm not going to say that he's angry at the officials, but he was not happy with the officials. Um, well. you know, but uh, maybe he sees dad's, my staff's reactions on the sidelines sometimes, but as I reminded him this morning, I said, "Hey, I said everybody's human. Um, we got everybody's got to learn. We got to learn to play better. Um, the officials will learn. They'll learn from the film as well. So, we're uh, today's a new day. We're all going to get better. You got to go to school now. So, um, well, I mean, if you want, go get him an excuse. Jim Haney will be on the show in about an hour and a half. We can talk to him about officiating in Division Three, and maybe him and his eight years of experience, and I'm really going to call it five, because by the time he got to three, I don't think he was fully aware, uh, can, can provide his expertise. 
There you go. There you go. That's a good one for him. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for humoring us. That is awesome. Uh, listen, up until that point, you guys were on a roll in conference, obviously undefeated. Your last loss had come to a, a trying team that obviously has proven they're pretty good with a win over Calvin last night. And the loss to Keene State earlier in the season in game number four. Overall, understanding we've got a loss to Stevens Point that stings in the moment. But overall, how is this season going to the expectations that you all had internally? I think internally it's where, where we expect it to be. You know, I, I think last year, obviously, you, you look at it, yeah, there's always a surprise. I think um, 14 and 12 last year, but you look at last year what we lost. Um, Quentin Shields, Kyle Tuma, Justin Stovall, Alex Ray. I mean, you go down the list of the the studs that we lost from two years ago. Um, it wasn't a fact that we didn't have the talent. It was about the leadership, you know, and guys stepping up in their roles. And we have pretty much the exact same team. Uh, we got a couple of pieces in there that are that are new, but everybody's just a year older. Um, and I think that makes a big difference um, when you get a year older, um, that experience, obviously, with with the portal and everybody shifting and moving around, you know, these guys staying here, getting older, getting stronger, buying in. Um, we knew, obviously, we had to making um, to be another, make another good run on this as well. And this is kind of the expectations. Um, you know, are there a few surprises? A little bit. But like I said, it's uh, – you got to get ready to play. Um, you know, the the three losses that we've got now, even the two prior to, uh, were against some really good teams. Keene was obviously, we saw them early in the year, and I think they might have been number four at the country at that time. Um, and then seeing Trine, and I'll say it on here, I think Trine's the best team in the country. Um, after watching them, um, seeing them, seeing them in person, um, playing Kelvin, you know, playing Whitewater, Keene, um, they got the pieces. I, I'm not surprised that they beat Kelvin last night. Um, Brooks does a phenomenal job down there and that system that they run and defend, um, they make it tough. Um, but then it also doesn't surprise me, obviously Stevens point, you know, they lost to trying by what two, one or two. Um, so, you know, Kent's got things going. Um, he knows what he's doing there and just getting the guys to buy in. So, Hey, like I said, welcome to the W. I see. Welcome to Division Three. It's going to be good. Yeah, you pretty much wrapped it up there. You got a bunch of sound bites we can pull out of that one, including the comments on trying. I want to point out what I think is sneaky about your season so far is what maybe we didn't appreciate in the moment. Um, a win over St. John's by two. You played that game at the same uh, the same location as a Keene State event out in San Diego, uh, San Diego, South Dakota. Oh, Two very it's different places. Almost as warm as San Diego. It's almost fair. As warm. It we wasn't. It, happy. Yeah, it was a little strange at Aberdeen. Uh, you then came back and got a win over Central, which right now is starting to look sneaky good. You got a win over Hope at the beginning of this of December. Went over North Central in the middle, and at the end, you got a win over Calvin before beating or losing to Trine. So you've got that perspective, obviously, as well. And then you get into conference play, obviously with wins over Whitewater, as we pointed out earlier, uh, along with uh, wins over Oshkosh and, and the like, and just that loss to Stevens Point as you guys now pivot and turn into the rest of the conference race. So this feels, Jeff, like maybe it's a better season. I, I know when I was voting uh, this week on the top 25, I kind of went and reevaluated your season. I thought, you know, this is a this feels like a better season 
than it felt like a month ago. You and and you guys look like you're getting better, but you're not. It's not um, show. It's not a show. You know, it's not flashy. It's not crazy. You guys are just going to work. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the thing. I mean, I even look back at you know breaking down last night's film as well. Um, you know, we're one that we try to preach: don't beat ourselves. You know, and I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Steven's point, but I thought we beat ourselves last night. We did, we got away from what is Platinum basketball. Um, you know, defensively being more disciplined, offensively being more disciplined um, within our offense as well. You know, take care of the basketball. We had 10 turnovers last night. I think we're averaging about eight. Um, you know, and I think the efficiency on the offensive end of the floor and this, the stinginess on the defensive end of the floor, we, we got off, off a track a little bit last night, but I also give credit to, to Point with what they did. And, you know, obviously they uh, they made shots when they needed to make shots, made some big ones. Um, you know, we also have the, the basketball guys. There's a bunch of some 50-50 balls that just kind of bounced around, bounced out of our hands. Um, you know, in these games in the WIC, I mean, it's those are kind of the separator, the, the teams that can do the little things better. Listen, when Ken Dernbach went back to Stevens Point, I don't think anybody was stunned by it. Um, maybe a little surprised. I think some thought he would stay at lacrosse, and, and there were reasons he went back. Are you, though, surprised he's able to take a program that was floundering a little bit for a handful of years, obviously under the issues that they had in terms of NCA punishments and a, a cloud of um, scrutiny on top of suspicion. Are you surprised he was able to already have the impact he's having there and turn a program that was 10 and 15 last year, four and 17 the year before, and already they're nine and nine? Not really. You know, I, I think, and not to take anything away from Coach Semling and, you know, Bob's a good friend as well. Um, the one thing that I saw that Point always had um, when they were really good, it, it wasn't about the talent. It was about the belief. Um, and I think Kent's got those guys believing, buying in. Um, you know, obviously he had an influx of, uh, of some transfers, some new freshmen coming in as well. Um, you know, the season goes on just like just like us. You're getting older. You know, you're you're no longer a freshman when you're 18 games into the season. You know, you're you're seasoned. Um, you got some experience to you and you got confidence going into you as well. And, and I think that's where, you know, they've had some tough ones, um, you know, prior to obviously last night, I think there was three losses in a row. Um, they beat Whitewater, uh, put up a hundred points on Whitewater. I mean, when's the last time a hundred points was scored in the WIC in a conference game? Um, you know, losing double overtime at lacrosse to a really, really good lacrosse team. Um, so they're right there. I mean, it's it, it does not surprise me one bit that they're sitting where they're at right now, and I think they're they're going to be dangerous as we turn this page the second half of the season. A little bit of turnover in this conference too, I, it, Jeff. You might be no pun intended part of the old guard at this point. I am, I'm the old man in the league. What Most is people, this all about? When I came in, I was the youngest coach in the WIC ever, um, and I am now the the old dog in the league as well, which uh, I'm not sure how to take that. So <laughs> I understand. Uh, now, Matt Silverling surprisingly is in his 12th season at Eau Claire. And I say surprisingly because uh, I don't, I can't believe he's been there that long. It doesn't feel that long. 
Um, I'm just going through it. River Falls, obviously, Jeff Burkoff has been there for a while. Matt Lewis, a young gun, obviously, has been there a little bit of time now. But now you've got, you know, Whitewater would turn over because, you know, their their coach decided, listen, I, I've done everything I need to do. You've got lacrosse with turnover because Durmbeck went back to Stevens Point. Stevens Point obviously has a term, uh, turnover. Jim Lake's only in his fifth season uh, at his institution at uh, Stout. This is kind of an interesting league right now. We're used to the competitiveness, but I don't think we're used. You, are you guys all still trying to figure out each other as coaches? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think some of it obviously is the fact that. Uh, you know, JT at lacrosse obviously is the the new face in the league. Um, you know, I think obviously over at Whitewater they're running a lot of the same stuff. When you got all the pieces back, there's there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, so obviously JT was the one that we're trying to everybody's trying to figure out. But you know, he's got some good. That's the nice thing about taking over that program is having a lot of those guys back that had some experience. You got a veteran point guard in Furman and. You know, a couple of big guys in Westro and Pater as well that, uh, you know, it's easy as a new coach to kind of lean on those type of guys as well. But, you know, it's, it's making it fun. You know, these guys, uh, I kind of laugh about it. I think when I maybe came in the league, I was kind of the energetic guy on the sideline. Now I'm seeing Matt Lewis run a marathon on the sideline. Right. <laughs> There's a reason he wears those Cole Hans is because he's yeah. got some traps. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, that's not a fashion statement as much as that is a um, a need Exactly. Exactly. By the way, I'm waiting for your Cole Hans. Have you have you have you broken I, theirs out? I, I got them for the recruiting trip. You know, Very when smart. I go recruiting, I, I wear the cover. Matt's always complimenting those shoes as well, so we kind of laughed about it. It's a nice thing with the plug with the NABC, though. You know, giving us that discount. Um, you know, I think that's obviously saved Matt quite a bit of money. <laughs> I, I yeah, sure. It's the discount. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, team. Um, you're led by Logan Pearson, a senior, 20.7 points a game. Max Love, a sophomore, and Ben Propes, a senior, uh, both at 13 and a half. Then a bit of a drop-off in terms of scoring. It's half the points from Brady Olson and Bristol Lewis and uh, Joey uh, Furman, uh, juniors, freshmen, and sophomores. And then Matt Nyes, of course, making a big contribution. Those are the Those are the main core that you play along with others. I bring that up and go back to the Stevens Point game only to say, interestingly enough, all of those guys pretty much got their points last night against Stevens Point. There wasn't like Pearson was somehow held to some ungodly low number. He got 18 points last night. Love and Propes had pretty good game. Propes had um, a 13. Olsen had 11. Uh, Lewis had 14. Actually, Love's the only one really under his average. He had about eight points, and, and it's still by a handful. So you're, you're, you've got a really good team that still got it done last night, at least when you look at the stat sheet. Um, what was it about last night? And then pivot, if you don't mind, into talking about this team. Well, I think, you know, from last night's standpoint, it's uh, defensively for us, um, had some breakdowns, um, you know, just obviously understanding, you know, our principles sticking to our core, uh, what we're really all about. Um, and then, you know, just even from an offensive side of things, yeah, guys, they they got their points, but I think the, the quantity – um of shot versus or the quality of shot and quantity um i thought we had some opportunities right around the paint that we didn't finish um you know and i think that's what's allowed our guys to be a little bit more efficient within our numbers last night our numbers probably weren't as efficient as we want them to be um you know percentage wise 
but I think some of that obviously is we, like I said, I got, we got a little out of characteristic of what we do and where we, the ball needs to start going to, um, and then working it from there. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, defensively as well, I thought, uh, you know, we got, we broke down a little bit, um, point did a pretty good job of obviously playing to a pace. Um, they played small. Um, obviously that made us have to defend a little differently than what we've seen with some teams in the past in our league. Um, so again, it just, uh, one of those nights, I think we had quite a few shots that just did not fall. I mean, you know, Pearson had, we're up by one with about 20 seconds to go and Pearson gets to the lane, gets the rim and it rolls around, falls off. You know, I mean, that's Max Love had a wide open three, Ben Probst had a couple of wide open ones that were there. You know, they just didn't fall. Um, and that's why we always talk to our guys and said, hang your head on the defensive end of the floor because you don't know how the ball is going to bounce some nights on the on the offensive end of the floor. And with that, like I said, we had a few breakdowns, um, things that obviously we're going to see and correct today in film. Tell me about this team, though. Pearson obviously leads the way in terms of scoring. He's been kind of the target for a number of years, but you've got underclassmen who are stepping into some key roles as well. You've got a very nice mix of sophomores and seniors and juniors, et cetera, just kind of filling in. It's not a, an upperclassman-dominated team, it appears. No, it's not. I mean, really, I mean, if you kind of take the COVID piece out of it and tell guys where they're really at, we've got two seniors on the team. Uh, one's Brad Neese. Um and then obviously Austin Schaff is is the other senior. Everybody else is back next year too, um, you know. But with that said, you know, yeah, we've got some balance. There's been nights where Pearson's been off. Um, even you know he didn't play against North Central. Um, Probst really stepped up. You know, Max Love has been one that stepped up. And you know, we got guys that are just they're efficient within their roles. They understand their roles. Um, you know, just to even get a plug on it for these guys as well. But the games that we, we've won in our league or in our non-conference play as well, um, the guys on the bench are unreal. I mean, and that's, that's the fun thing for me as I look at this is like, you know, it's a tough situation to be in where you're trying to figure out how to get more minutes for guys because they're being so productive in your scout team. Um, you know, they're giving us a realistic look of what we're going to see on a Wednesday night or a Saturday. And as I tell them, you're going to win it Monday, Tuesday, you'll win Wednesday. Um, you bring it on Thursday, Friday, you're going to, you're going to be successful on Saturday. And, and that's, what's, that's what's made us good this year. That's what's made Platteville good over the years, even when Bo was here. Um, you know, it's just that the depth and the guy, how practice is going. And that's the, the exciting thing is, is I got a lot of pieces there that, you know, if somebody's off, we got a kind of a balance attack and you can play in and play out of it as well. Quickly about the rest of the season. Unfortunately, that Stevens Point loss was at home. You'll have to face them on the road later in the year. But now you you kind of finished with an interesting stretch here where you were three of four at home and five of uh three of four at home, six of seven, I think, at home. Or six of six I'll get it right, six of eight, something like that. You had two road games in the last bunch. Now you'll right. alternate road games and home games the rest of the way, starting with a road game at Lacrosse. You got you're also on the road at River Falls, Stevens Point, and finish the season on the road against Stout. You at least home against Whitewater, et cetera. But what's the message coming off last night? Not primarily, but what's the message in general to the team as you pivot into the second half of the conference action here and obviously turn into a pretty important part of the season? Um, one word is next. You know, and that that's all we can focus on. And I told them that last night in the locker room. Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow is what we got to focus on. Um, get better. And it, it's 
we talked about it last Wednesday after beating Whitewater at Whitewater. That's it. I mean, you go on the road um, in the WIC and get a win. You win at Oshkosh. Those are big wins in the WIC, no matter where you're sitting at in your league, um, in the league standings. Don't have a hangover because of that win. You know, and I thought that was one of the things I was a little leery of. of were we going to have a hangover after the Whitewater win and get ready for Stout and knowing the tempo and the pace that Stout plays at as good as Brody Fox is too. Um, but I, the message was the same. Hey, guys, don't have a hangover because of this loss. Don't let this loss hurt us in an important game going to lacrosse. Um, and I think that's the one thing is, is if you start looking too far down the road, um, you're going to get knocked off. And in this league, going on the road, home games, there's no guarantee. There's no, you know, the old saying, there's no get well games. Um, you got to you gotta be ready to go. But that starts on, you know, the Thursday, Friday for us this week um, now as we get ready for lacrosse. But then obviously keeping the importance on us and the little things that we got to continue to get better at. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the insight. Also appreciate the conversation. I know you got better things to do. Uh, apparently, um, talk to your son about officiating and coaching and uh, talk to the team about the results. Um, I, was just, I was happy he went to school. He was trying to give me the excuse that his stomach felt bad. And he sure. Didn't want to get yeah. I'm okay. like, yeah, you know, dads doesn't feel good either, but yep. we got to work. So. You got to learn to go at it anyway. Hey, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Uh, Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. But as always, you give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Hey, uh, we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, for those able to attend those WIC games in the Midwest, you know, get out. Because obviously it's going to be some phenomenal basketball down the stretch the second half of the season. And if not, tune in online. We'd love to have you on there. Yeah, well said. I certainly enjoy the online product. Myself. Hey, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. Jeff Gard joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. And great. I have to check in on his son, how he's doing maybe by the end of the weekend. Um, good race in the WIAC. Worth watching on the men's and women's side, as it always is. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will switch to women's basketball. Head to Ohio. Talk Baldwin Wallace with Sherry Herrer. How are the Yellow Jackets doing? Because they feel like they're flying under most of yours radars. I don't know if that was a sentence or anything, but we'll try it anyway. You listen to Hoopsville, the matinee edition here on Thursday. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, We are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Hope you are well on this Wednesday or Thursday edition. A reminder that we will be um, basically doing this Wednesday edition thing for, or Thursday edition thing, geez, my brain's fried, uh, on the afternoon for the rest of the season, other than the 15th of February. We'll talk more about that show when we get closer to it, but all due to uh, some schedule conflicts. But this may be a future idea in the of doing afternoon shows, and but we'll dive into that one later as well. Women's basketball is where we're shifting our focus. And for women's basketball, one of the teams that we always seem to have on our radar is Baldwin-Wallace out of the OAC. Though, interesting enough, I don't know where it necessarily came from, but I don't know. I, expectations maybe weren't as high coming into this season. Great start. Come back, uh, come from behind victory against uh, Gettysburg to get things rolling this season. Uh, and then I think they've stayed under the radar a little bit. Sherry Harris' team always won to fear, though, in my opinion. Kind of li live up to the Yellow Jackets moniker of always ready to sting you when you're not ready for it. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is Sherry Harris to join us. And, Coach, welcome to the show as always. Help me out. Were, were your expectations maybe where ours were? I, you, you lost a few pieces from last season is how I remember it. And so I, I guess... Maybe I just didn't think the juggernaut was going to be there. Was I completely wrong? 
No, we we did lose a couple key players, a lockdown defender, or a glue kid, and a, and a, probably our best three point shooter. But uh, our kids worked hard over the summer, and we we actually dwindled at the end of last year. I think that's where some of the expectations were lowered because we we kind of limped to the finish line. We lost a really good player to an ACL with five regular season games to go, and then. Uh, our point guard was playing on one leg, had uh, some cartilage, a cartilage graft over the summer to try to alleviate some of her pain. So um, those kids are kind of getting back into it now. So that's, I think, why we've we've gotten going a little bit more because some of our kids and, and our starting post player also was out five weeks in preseason with a cast on her hand for a broken finger. So, um, yeah, there were some lowered expectations probably because of how we finished last year. All of that sounds painful uh, for a guy who's gone through fusion. Grafting cartilage, busted yep. ACLs, I mean, that is not fun. You guys are turning into a mass unit over there. Uh, but how do you how do you keep everybody's spirits up? Because I, I know from experience, you, you lose a good player, two, three players to injury. There can be a lot of, oh, man, this is this is not for us. Yeah, I think that's what happened to us at our Oberlin game. So we got those other kids back over the summer. They had no they had no improvement season over the summer, but we got them back. And then uh, on our fifth game at Oberlin, we lost a senior starter to another ACL. And uh, it was that that one did affect us. I think in that game, the kids were were pretty uh, upset over it, rightly so. And uh, but we've been able to kind of get things going again now after rebuilding actually after you know when when you lose somebody a starter especially a senior you have to uh go back to the drawing board almost to, to try to replace it well you know back to back 21 seasons uh four 21 seasons in the last five actually we'll call it four in a row because 10 and 5 in 2021 doesn't really count to the grand scheme of things you have 20 win seasons uh pretty routinely if you don't you're they're near misses uh, on a 21 season, the only off season in recent history is a 15 and 11 campaign in 2017, 2018 expectations are always high there. Maybe that's where we didn't have our brains intact. We always should, should see a, a good season out of the yellow jackets. Well, that's what we fight for. That's what our goals always are. So how do you though accomplish it? Because a, you're going to have turnover. So does recruiting making sure every year you've got talent coming in and being consistent part of that? And a twist on that, nowadays with the transfer portals and extra year for COVID, still got one more in, in the bag. Excuse me, in the bag for that. How much has that changed it? Uh, the, the fifth year has really changed it. We have not had a COVID fifth year, actually. Our only fifth years have been normal red shirt medical hardship fifth years. We have not had a COVID fifth year and don't anticipate any, but it's top playing again, you know, like Rhode Island has five fifth year kids on their team. And uh, they were probably underestimated too, because people didn't look at that roster factor as closely as they maybe should have. Um, but, but yes, recruiting huge. We, we try to recruit a year ahead so that those kids are getting experience. Like you look at Bella Valent, who's our starting post player played behind Lily Edwards when she was a freshman and Lily graduated. And then Bella was able to step into that. So that's our ideal situation that that we have a group come in and they're ready to go so that when their their time comes up they, they we we try not to miss a beat and that and, and having uh coaching staff uh intact 
is huge too. When you don't have the coaching staff turnover, Cody Hartzler has done an amazing job for us and he's been here numerous years and uh, you've seen our consistency based on the consistency in staff. Great point. Uh, it's always nice though, right? When a coach has learned under your tutelage and can move on, get a career, a big career gig for themselves. That's always an accomplishment too, because it shows the strength of who you are as a mentor and the program you are and the, what they've learned. But on the flip side, it's also nice to not have that turnover so that you're not having to reteach and you can learn from it. And the players get used to everybody too. That's exactly right. Hey, last couple of seasons, you mentioned last year, uh, stumbled a little bit, kind of finishing up to the end. You lost three of the last five. Uh, really, if you go back to the end of, of January, you had five of the team's six losses in that grouping. And obviously, as you said, there were injuries and was kind of some bang-ups there. You go to Hope and you lose to Warburg in that in that. Uh, first round the previous year before that you get all the way to the sweet 16 go to whitewater lose to oshkosh you guys were pretty much rolling except for two losses to john carroll that season can anybody yourselves on the staff the team etc take those two seasons anything you learn from them other than don't get injured and and be able to use it this year or do you really have to go in fresh understanding there were some near misses but that's not necessarily going to help this unit do what it needs to do this year. You're, you're exactly right with that. We try to keep it fresh. We try to go chase our goals every year versus trying to repeat something. You can't live in the past. And uh, our kids have done a pretty good job of embracing that idea of chasing a goal that we want versus trying to hold on some hold on to something we never really had. You got a team that's scoring 64 points a game and giving up 53 almost 54 points a game, not not a shabby number by any stretch of the imagination. But what stands out to me is the 64 points a game, you don't need to score. Like It doesn't feel like you need to have big scoring outputs, and you don't need everybody in double figures scoring. We'll get to the individual numbers in a moment. It feels like, again, to use the cliche, this is a defense first, we'll get the offense later type team, and it always has been. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing you always can control. You're going to have some nights when the ball doesn't go in the hoop as well as you'd like. And as long as you're defending, you have a chance to be in those games and not get blown out on those nights. So that's why we try to start with defense. And and uh, this year, put an increased emphasis on our rebounding. And uh, those couple things have paid off for us. Uh, they always pay off, Sherry. Uh, that's what I think we've gotten very used to, and it makes you guys a dangerous NCAA tournament team when you make it because you've got that experience and that understanding. The numbers aren't like huge national ranking numbers. It's not like you're going to jump off the page at anybody, but what is it about the defense that makes it so difficult for even good offenses to play against you? Well, we, we just try to make it tough on people. Um, try to try to make them shoot contested twos and do our best to rebound it once we get them to do that. Um, yeah, just trying to play really, really hard. Interesting. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, and, and you play a lot of players. We should point yeah. out, you, you look at the stat sheet. There are, I forgot to do it while you were talking there, but there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players who played in double-figure games, which means they played about two-thirds of the games. 15 players sherry that that's a huge roster to start with but that's a lot of playing time to manage and give in terms of expectations how how a difficult is that and b what is it about this team that allows you to do it 
Yeah, the, the kids have bought in. They understand that they go out, give their all. Somebody's going to have their back when they come out. And uh, it's it's in some ways liberating because we don't have to have our, if our leading score isn't our leading score, no big deal. Somebody else is going to pick it up for them. And it's, so it takes a little bit of the pressure off. And um, our kids all work hard in practice. And, and it might be those 15, but everybody else is making everybody better. We talk about iron sharpens iron. Everybody's getting better as we practice each day. And uh, we try to make our practices be just as competitive, if not more competitive than our games. And uh, our, our kids have gotten to understand that every single one of them is important to our winning, not just the people who are leading scorers or have the big stats. 18 players have played um, in at least half the games. So, I mean, it's a deep roster. And it starts at the top in terms of scoring and rebounds. With Bella Valiant, ten and a half points a game, eight and a half, or sorry, nine rebounds a contest. She hands out an assist per game as well. Uh, shoots, uh, what is this about? Am I looking at this right? Yeah, forty-seven percent from the floor. But that's nothing to you know. Case Kaylee Wrestler is getting nine points a game, and Emily Irwin's getting eight points a game, and Carolyn Wachal is getting seven points a contest. Rebounds, they're all pulling down boards. They're all getting assists. It's a to use the cliche again, it's a very team-orientated unit, even when it stands out on the stat sheet. That, that's our goal. That's our goal. So that, yeah, go ahead and take away who you want. Hopefully the other kids are going to step up and and take care of it on the night. So if you want to take away Bella, okay, we're going to try to beat you in another way. You want to take away Emily, okay, we'll try to beat you some in another way. Uh, I mentioned the Gettysburg game, which was the starting game of the season. You guys were down pretty big in that one. Gettysburg was coming off of a four-overtime game against UMBC, which didn't count for them, but still was pretty momentous for them. You guys were both in Rochester. Uh, You ended up playing Rochester the next day after coming from behind with a win there. I remember thinking to myself right there, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Because that it was the first game of the season, but I kind of expected with Gettysburg taking UMBC to the wire, not past the wire, that and then having a big lead halfway through the game, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is going to be a win for them, and no surprise, Baldwin Wallace, they're they're not going to be strong. Am I reading too much into that game? Um, it was the, those first game jitters, and the other thing, like I said, we had two start, three starters that missed a lot of our preseason because they were coming off the injuries. Like, like they didn't even scrimmage in our very first scrimmage, and then uh, got them a few minutes in our second scrimmage, and. So as a cohesive unit, we weren't there at all yet because we got such a slow start with those guys coming off of their uh, injuries and their rehabs. Interesting enough, you start three and two, and I think that probably solidified it more for me. Like, okay, you know, Sherry Harry is going to have a team that's going to be competitive. They're going to be there. We're just not going to have this this powerhouse. But three and two, and I think I didn't appreciate it at the time, a loss to trying by two, who's a pretty darn good team, you beat the smokes off of LaRoche, who's pretty solid in their conference. You have a double overtime loss to Oberlin, who is still playing pretty darn good basketball as well uh, in the NCAC. They're 12-6, and six, though struggling in the NCAC, but still, and a win over Rochester, etc. You turn the corner into conference play. You get rolling. Your only loss since then has been to Rhode Island College, Right before Christmas, down in Miami. Sorry, you had to go to Miami to play that game. And it was 13 points. When you dive into this schedule, Sherry, there are some nuggets here that are screaming just how good you all are. How are you feeling about the results at this point? 
Yeah, we, we feel pretty good about where we are. And the Rhode Island College, the 13 points is deceptive. They they had us down. They they just smoked us in the second quarter. And our, our the good thing is our kids really fought in the third and fourth. And I think we learned from that. We learned that, you know, if we play hard and just play together, good things can happen. And so even though that was a loss, um, our kids learned from it. And, and hopefully we've used that to get better. And like I said, early on, you know, those games were on the road. We were at Oberlin. Oberlin has since lost their their they have a really good post player who has not played in quite some time. And yeah, so um, that definitely affects them. Yeah, that's a great well. point. And and in that game, again, we lost a senior starter during the game to an ACL. And um it was just a rough start for us, just physically as much as as mentally. But uh I think our kids are are feeling pretty good about themselves. But that that's like the OAC, I mean, there, there are no easy wins in this league. There's nobody you can circle and say, hey, we can play a B game and beat them. You've got to bring your A game every night in this conference. And, uh, you know, we certainly can't rest on any laurels. We've got to continue to get better. You're kind of saying what I was had in my mind. You've got a two-game lead in this conference uh, at 11-0 and over Ohio Northern at 9-2 and and Capital Marietta are 8-3. The rest of the conference is a little further back. We'll get to that in a minute. But it feels like, because I know those teams are really good right behind you, they're waiting for a slip. Because if you take the one wrong loss and come back to that group and are only a game up, the pressure ratchets up exponentially because they are going to smell blood in the water and you guys might have this uh-oh feel. If things change quickly, you might have gotten some big wins over John Carroll and the rest already, but this does not feel comfortable if I'm you. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We have some. We have to go to Capitol on Saturday, and they're coming off of a tough loss. Um, and, yeah, now we've got to go to their place, and that's not going to be an easy game. We're going to have to play really, really well. We still have to go to Ohio Northern. And, and Ohio Northern is really good. What most people don't realize about Ohio Northern is they have a first-team all-league uh, stretch four that hasn't played all year. And, I mean, that affects things. And, uh, you know, on paper, they may not look, but they're good. They're, and they, yeah. they've got a lot of pride, and they do things the right way. We saw them in Vegas, and I remember thinking to myself, this is a better team than I think it is. Um, I Listen, it, it wasn't maybe the the – the event they wanted in Vegas as they went one and one. But, I mean, they played a really tough Laverne squad in Trinity, Texas. They got the win over. So there was kind of one of those conversations like, oh, okay. Now, granted, Trinity, Texas was kind of same thing, dealing with injuries, dealing with players who have departed, trying to figure things out midseason. But this is a conference race. As you said, Capitals coming up. Then you got John Carroll. Yes, you got him once, but I have a feeling they're going to come really round back at you. Ohio Northern still to go. You finish with Marietta at the end of the season, obviously a lot still to play with. So what's the messaging with the team? How do you, I, obviously it's probably, we're focused on the next game, but how do you make sure that they understand that the next game's important because you need to keep momentum going for the following game and the following game. Like it's, it's about the micro and the macro. Yeah. We don't even talk about the long range. We're, we're just trying to stay focused on the game that's right in front of us and uh, just try to go one and oh, in that game that's in front of us and chase what we want instead of uh, trying to keep anything that, we, again, we don't have anything. Yeah, we're good. Like, like there's too many games to go to say you have anything. You, you just got to take one game at a time and do your very best in that game. Speaking of the OAC, um, changes are coming. 
John Carroll are departing in a couple of years. And we all know things don't stay static. Um, there will probably be other moves afoot somewhere, whether it directly affects the OAC or indirectly affects the OAC or whatever. Your thoughts on the fact that this conference, which has been pretty solid for a long time, is is looking at, I wouldn't say upheaval yet, we don't know, but at least the signs of some changes with John Carroll departing. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, I, those things are totally outside of, of our control. Um, I really don't even know that those, those conversations are happening at the AD and presidential level and um, really no idea. We're just going to, the biggest thing we can control is who we schedule non-league and we'll continue to play a good non-league schedule and see, you know, whatever they give us in the, in the league schedule, that's who we'll play. We should point out, by the way, you are the SWA, so... You're, you're, you're up there in the, at least some conversations, but I do know what you mean by the ADs and the presidents have their own conversations before it trickles down. But your point, I mean, my my question in general is just the idea that John Carroll's departing, what, what that changes to the conference in some degree, at least on the women's basketball side, and, and how that changes just the mentality. A couple, if there's no more changes, a couple more games in non-conference free up, the conference race looks a little bit different. What's that like considering you guys just haven't had to deal with any of that kind of change for a while? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they are a, ge- are a geographical rival, too. They're 45 minutes away. The Good biggest point. thing for us, it, we lose our closest game. And when I first got in the league, Hiram was in our league right? and left our league and we replaced them with Wilmington. So we went from a 45 minute trip to a three hour trip. Oh, just and, uh, around the corner. Yeah. So again, we're going to lose a 30 to 45 minute trip and who knows how long the trip's going to be to, to replace them. I heard a team from Kentucky or Tennessee. Yeah. No, no big deal. It just, you know, around the corner. I'm making that up. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally yeah. making that up. Just having fun with the distance thing. Yeah. Maybe a New York state school. Who knows? Uh, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Probably can't uh, call it Ohio athletic conference anymore. Right. Oh, come on. They call it the big 10, right? Um, True. it's not 10 True. and it is large, uh, and it's definitely True. not centrally located anymore. Um, heck we could dive down that road. Um, Sherry, I always love having you on. And one of my favorite memories was watching you all realize you're in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. I know that the postseason means a lot, but I'm curious at the beginning of the season, is the conversation and the goals that are there saying, listen, we want to be playing in March, or are they smaller? Not smaller in, in, in terms of stature, but I mean, smaller in terms of shorter in front of you, uh, more important about internal than it is about the glory of March. Early on, we talk about it. We know that what our goals are, and the goal is to be playing in March. And uh, so early on, before we start uh, into any games in our preseason practices, we'll we'll mention it briefly and we'll tell them. We're not going to talk about this again because now we've got to focus on just getting better every day. And as long as we continue to get better every day, hopefully our long-range goals come to fruition when we get to March. Uh, I've lost track of how long you've been coach uh, there, but you've got 600. Oh, there we go. You're in your 34th or 35th season. 681 wins, Sherry. First, that's just a stunning number in terms of of victories in college basketball with only 242 in terms of losses. 
I, I jokingly say, compared to Brian Morehouse, who just got number 700, you must be putting your head through a wall a little bit. Uh, like, come on, man. Give, give me a break. I could get to that number if I had your team, too. But it's a testament to you to how many wins you have gotten while as head coach um, in, in Baldwin-Wallace the entire time. Have you looked back at your career and, and recognized just how incredible it has been from the X's and O's and num- wins and losses standpoint? I, I try not to look at that a whole lot. The, the biggest thing is watching and seeing how great our alums are doing out there in the real world. Like they've got some really cool jobs. They're, they're so successful. And, and that's the biggest win, right? Like that, that they go on and, and leave our program and, um, you know, the, the coolest calls I get are kids that coach, you won't believe that I used your quote or my boss just said this and it reminded me of what we used to talk about. That That's what is really um, fulfilling more than than just the wins. Um, well, I appreciate the time. Um, I hope you're not retiring anytime soon because I, I love a watching your teams and B having you on the show. So I'm selfish. Um, so, you know, just don't do it. Just, you know, stick with it a little longer just for our sake. Um, we have great kids, so there's no plan there. There so. you go. Perfect. I was going to say BW probably doesn't want you leaving anyway. Um, as always, give the guests though, the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Now, as always, just appreciate all you do for division three basketball and, uh, especially on the women's side, it's easily overlooked and, uh, you make you make all of D three women's basketball feel like we matter, and that uh, we really appreciate that. Coming from you, coach, that means a lot. I, I appreciate that. We're just trying to make sure that we shine a light where it deserves to be shine shown. Yeah, my Division three education not showing through here at all. Um, but I, I appreciate that. Very kind of you, and we love having you on as a, as well. And that's why it makes it even better. We can do this because guests like yourself are willing to come on the show. Taking enough of your time. Take care of yourself. Good luck against Capital in the rest of the season. I mean, it's at least it's not Dixie Jeff- Jeffers on the other side of that floor. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks so much, Dave. Take care. You too. Sherry Harrod joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Um, those of you not watching on Facebook, hope you're enjoying the show. Facebook simulcast once again decided to go, hey, we're done. We're done here. You're clearly done with the show. We will refire that up in the commercial break. I do not understand FB. I cannot grasp what in the world they do uh, with our show. But that's why we don't primarily broadcast on FB. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk more women's basketball. We will head up to upstate New York. Talk St. John Fisher basketball with the Cardinals. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3 Hoops. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk. 
ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you're watching us on Facebook, welcome back to the show. Don't know why you Facebook people don't seem to have much luck as we're back on, we're back on the simulcast there. It just randomly stops. I got nothing. I absolutely got nothing on FB. That's why we also live stream on YouTube, by the way. That's one of those main reasons. Uh, Phil Nagley telling us the mini marathon next Friday. Count me in, he says. Well, I got to count a lot of other people in before I can decide we're doing that mini marathon uh, next Friday. Um, and we're also always streaming on the Team One Sports Group, thanks to Huddle and Blue Frame TV. Uh, we are up and running there, as always. We appreciate all of you who tune in there, uh, whether it's live, on demand, or whatever. Of course, we have the podcast as well. All right, so back to who we're talking about in Division Three basketball. We're sticking with the women's conversation, and we stick with flying things. We had Yellow Jackets. Now we got Cardinals. St. John Fisher coming off of a 23-6 and campaign each of the last two seasons. 15 and 2 so far this year. They are 8 0 in Empire 8 um, race. 
to say that they are consistently good is an understatement, maybe to the point that we just overlook them too much. Couldn't believe how long it's been since we got Melissa Kaburka on this show to talk about her team and how well they're playing. Like I said, maybe it's just gotten a little too uh, accustomed. So join us on the Hoopsville Hotline. It is the aforementioned head coach of the St. John Fisher Women's Basketball Program. Coach, as always, thanks for joining me on the show. We'll dive in deep on the season, but the consistency that you have got going there with the Cardinals of a program that's always had some consistency in general, pretty impressive. you got to be thrilled. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And definitely thrilled, you know, looking at as we're starting to get to the end of the season, looking at our seniors and, you know, the records that they've had in their time here. Um, I think right now our seniors have lost 11 times in their career. Um, and I know um, COVID year, we only played 12 games that first year, but um, I think that's a, a testament to them. Um, and, you know, what what the, the players who we've gotten these last couple of years have really done for the program. Yeah, we'll dive into those players in a moment, but a couple of things that jump out. Back-to-back Empire 8 Conference champions. You're looking at maybe a third if you can keep things rolling. Three of the last four in general. Haven't lost a conference game since January 8th, 2022. That's 38 wins ago, and your 137 wins in seven years is knocking on the door of the second most in program history, which says a lot considering that program I know every coach wants to succeed when they take over a program. I know every coach wants to build on what the program has behind it, and I know it's easier said than done. How have you been able to do it? Really, it's it's the the players that we've gotten. Um, I I know how blessed I am to be at the school that I am that has high enough academics that can uh, attract you know the nursing majors and the 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 uh, high quality academic um, level level student athletes, but also the location, um, the other programs that are offered here. You know, Fisher is a great landing spot, um, and so we've been able to attract very very high quality student athletes, and then it's also the those type of athletes that just want to put in the work. Um, it's funny if Sunday night is when my phone starts going off of players saying, Hey, can I get a workout tomorrow? Can I get a workout this day and this week? And it's, you know, they're, they are motivated to do well. Um, and you know, we talk about conference championships. It's, it's not about winning a conference championship. That's like sort of the, the expectation. It's what can we do beyond that? Um, you know, we, we want to be able to to make a run in the national champ- or national tournament um, and to not, you know, be seeing, saying, oh, we were so close to the Sweet 16. We want to be there. Um, and just having those players that have that mindset um, has made all the difference. We should point out, we talk about, about to become the second winningest coach in um, St. John Fisher history. There's only, you're only the third. This is a, this is a program that is used to consistency. Phil Collar was a head coach that started the program, um, which for women's basketball is a little surprising in terms of when, 1974-75. It's amazing how many programs didn't start until the 90s. Um, he coached through 08. Then you had Marianne O'Connor, Ermey, and then you took over in 2017-2018. I'm curious quickly before we go back into this season. When you took over the program, did you, did you fully appreciate that those two coaches had been there for significant amounts of time? Obviously, Phil Collar for a very long time. And that it was about trying to stay with a program for a while that this isn't a program that's used to having a a coach be successful and then move on to another job. I definitely didn't understand it when I first took the job. It was more a whirlwind of, I have this great position. How can I 
you know, set this team up for success? How can I get in here and, you know, pick up where they left off? Um, but then, you know, when you, when you look around at other schools and how, you know, coaches there three or four years and moves on and then, you know, jumping up levels and all of that, um, it really puts in perspective how, you know, how great of a place Fisher is that you, you want to stay here. Um, and I've, I definitely, you know, when I first took the job, I don't think I had a five or 10 year plan. Um, and now that I'm here, it's, it, this is a place where you can be successful, where you can have a family, where you can bring in student athletes that you want to coach. Um, it, it really checks all the boxes off. And I, I didn't realize what I was signing up for, uh, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. You started off at Hilbert, uh, and had a lot you know, pretty good success for Hilbert standards um, there, and then took over St. John Fisher, twenty-one wins right out of the gate, um, and and can kept that consistent. Uh, this is a team back to them. Uh, obviously, you've had a good season. Uh, you go back, lost to Tufts at the start of the year. Listen, <laughs> no pun intended. They're tough. Uh, that that's that's not surprising. You you came out swinging in the first game of the season. Then Rochester Tech and Rochester right out of the, after that. Uh, lost to Ithaca, another really tough team. That's it, though. That's the end of the losses. Uh, in conference play, you're dominating. You got a win over Cortland, which is huge. You got a win over William Patterson as well. How's the season gone from your perspective? Um, I think the two losses that you mentioned are the the two games that are you know at the forefront. Um, just because I know those are two games. You know, you know, Tufts. We we hung around with them for 17 minutes, and then after that, they they were they were Tufts, and and we were um, a relatively young Empire Eight team going up against them. Um, Ithaca, another another game where we were tied at halftime, and they they had some players in foul trouble, and so they they came out in the third quarter, and we we couldn't match match them, and we're we're playing catch up the rest of the way. Um, you know, so th- those losses I look at are great learning experiences for us, and it's it's what we need. We the the goal this year was our non conference to make it as as competitive as as possible so that we could be in end of game situations so we could have to be rather than just setting it up in practice and all of that but have the emotions of it have the the the, the situations there be be put in that environment and have to respond. Um, you know, and so, like I said, those two games are at the forefront. But the the win over Cortland was, was a ton of fun. Um, obviously, winning, but because of the way our team played, it was the best our bench has played all year. We we had contributions from top to bottom there. Um, and then going to the tournament up in Springfield and, and playing Roger Williams, you know, down the whole game wasn't till the fourth quarter that we were able to to make a little run of our own. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of fun with the non-conference. Um, and then when you get in conference play, it's the same story every year. And it's, you know, my coach Hammer said this to me when I was a player and it stuck with me, you know, we have the target on our back. Um, when we're in conference play, this everyone wants wants to beat us, and I get it. Um, you know, Coach Hammer actually pinned little targets on our backs and made a, made us wear them during practice once. I have not gone that far. Um, Thank you. But, you know, it's, it, it's the it's the the fact of of who we are and and what the the players have done to to put that target on us, and so we know we can't come into games and think we're going to you know roll anyone or you know have any you know, preconceived notions of what's going to happen. We have to show up and compete. Um, and thankfully we've done that in the first round of conference play. And now I have to do it a second time. Good old Scott Hammer. Oh, he had some doozy of some ideas. Um, really was hoping he wouldn't work out at Canisius so he could come back to division three, but we can't have all of our wishes. Uh, obviously joking in case Scott's listening. I want to talk about this team a little bit. You're basically the one that stirs the drink and gets things rolling is Sydney Tomaso. Uh, 16 points a game. Uh, she has been Conference of the Player of the Week a num- number of times this season. 
uh, seven and a half boards per contest. I believe she's third on the team in assists or second on the team in assists, leads, uh, second on the team in steals, uh, shoots pretty well as, as well. We'll get to the rest, but tell me a little bit about Sydney. Sid is the player who sat in my office at the end of last year. And I said, Sid, you know, what can I do for you? You know, what can I do to make this experience better? And she looked at me and said, get us to the final four. Um, you know, that is just her mindset. That is just a type of player that she is. Um, and she backs it up with her work ethic and just the, the, the type of demeanor that she has every day in practice. She's, she's at work, you know, it's, it, our, our, it's a business trip for her type, type attitude. Um, you know, she does everything for us and we actually, you know, primarily play her in the four spot. And so she is outsized most games and, and she handles it, you know, great, obviously putting up the, the number of boards that she gets a night, um, knowing who she's up against is, is a, it speaks for itself for who she is. Um, and then on, on top of that, just, just a great person, you know, leader, leader by example, um, she's vocal when she has to be, but she just is, you know, she sets the tempo and, and she, she has set the goals for this team. Um, and we, we love having said. How much pressure is on you? She's a graduate student and she wants to be in the final four this year, coach. No, she's a junior. She's a junior. We have. Oh, I, we have you're right. I was looking at no, Alexandra. No, don't rush her out No, of here. sorry. Don't rush her out of here my bad. I was looking at Alexandra. Sydney, of course. My bad. Uh, the sister's there. Uh, getting them confused myself. Yeah. Uh, my, sorry, everybody. False alert there. Uh, bad news for the rest of you. Sid, Sydney's got a couple more years. Um, the rest of this team's interesting because you, you Sydney's chasing a thousand points uh, as a junior. She's not the only one. She's got another teammate ch chasing a thousand points. And when you look at the season stats, again, it's not just ab about Sydney. Uh, you've got Claire sitting there at eleven points a game, and Claire uh, Krus Kruska, Kruska, Kruska. Okay, um, sorry, Kruska. Um, we'll talk about Jolene in a minute, but you've got a, a two-headed monster there. Uh, obviously a grad student too for Kruska, uh, just to get that out of the way. We'll just, we'll just make them all grad students at this point. Um, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, but th that two headed monster is, is obviously the most important part. And then you've got all the other pieces again, we'll get to the freshmen, but that's pretty key. Yes. Claire's another one who has, um, you know, exceeded all expectations and again, sets the tone. You know, if anyone, anyone who watches Claire play, knows knows um that she has a, a side to her when she's on the court that is very different than off the court she just gets this face of you know the, this toughness this she's going to go through anyone and do anything she has to um she has a competitive nature that i think is unmatched in a lot of ways um but off the court she's the nicest person you'd ever meet um but the the two of them on the floor you know claire claire shoots the ball extremely well um and and has for a long time um but she doesn't always look to be a scorer and when in games where we've needed her to step up she's done so and has you know really been a difference maker for us at the same time she she creates for her teammates um you know i don't, I don't know I, I she has to lead us in assists i haven't looked at the stats much but she has to be at right at the top up there because of how she creates for everybody else and you know sid sid is at the receiving end of a lot of that but but so is jolene so are our other our wings um you know claire creates for everybody uh yeah claire's averaging uh Three plus assists per contest leading the team uh, in that category. For everybody, she's a senior listed on the roster. Uh, those two guards certainly are helpful, and you've got a lot of other players who contribute. Um, Katie Moravic, 
um, Presley Bruner, uh, Madeline Ramsgard, and, and plenty of others. But what I, what is really interesting about this team is you got a freshman forward at 6'2", in Jolene Lusk, who is absolutely tearing up the conference right now. Uh, she's conference rookie of the week four times, averaging nearly 15 points a game, nearly 10 rebounds a contest, a block and a half per game, a, an assist and a half per game. Shoots outside well because she shoots 31% from deep. 47% from the floor and 74% from the free throw line. That's got to be a huge piece to this unit. It, definitely. We we graduated out two seniors last year, one who was our starting center. Um, and we knew we we either needed players to, to get a ton better over the summer or we needed to have someone step in and fill that role. And I didn't know which one of those two things were going to happen. I didn't know how soon Joe was going to be able to step in and contribute and, you know, we we went to, we did a foreign tour at the start of the season started a little bit early went to Canada played some games really hoping that it would give me an insight of is Joe going to be ready or are we going to have to be you know a much more athletic uh, pressing team go smaller more and right from the get go she was ready to go um, and when I said you know players text me asking for workouts she's the one asking for workouts asking for for film asking for everything she she is very talented but she wants to get a lot better um and i think that that drive has allowed her to be successful uh by the way as one who lived on the canadian border for a long time it is just a little strange especially for where you guys are located to hear someone say we went on a foreign trip to canada i know it's a foreign trip but it just doesn't seem like it's a foreign trip (laughs) No, especially when I see other other teams, you know, go, going to Europe, they're getting on the plane and all that. And we hopped on a bus, drove a couple hours, a little border situation, and then we're good to go. I mean, I mean, it is it is a foreign trip and it works out. And you guys learned a lot from it, as you said. Yeah, we first game, um, we played Ontario Tech and it was a lopsided game. But the other two, we, we got beat pretty good. And, you know, talking about our seniors having not lost too many games in their time here, the losses that we've had, we don't we don't typically get beat pretty good. Um, and so it was really, really eye-opening and, um, you know, exposed our weaknesses before some teams were even practicing. Um, and I think that that was great, um, great for us, in some ways a humbling experience, um, but really more great film that we were able to take back and build on. Uh, quickly about this conference, uh, Empire 8, which hmm, uh, will change next year. Right? No, no, two years? I've yeah. lost track. No, next year. Next your, year alma ma- your alma mater's coming to town, uh, along with Brockport. Talk about a twist. Um, we'll dive into that in a second. But just overall, uh, you guys have a game lead only on your rival nearby uh, next-door neighbor, whatever you want to call him, Nazareth. Uh, Houghton, who's having a really good season this year, is two games back. And then there's a little bit of a gap before you get to Hartwick, Almira, Alfred, and the rest. But... A little bit of a race here. We're just talking to um, uh, Sherry Harriet Baldwin Wallace. It feels like there's a lot of pressure here because one slip up and you can can lose the advantage here. Definitely, and that's this this past weekend we played Naz at their place and and we snuck out with a win. We did not shoot the ball well. We did not play well, um, but we got that win. And I think you know road games are huge, and and being able to to beat Naz at at their on their court is is big. Um, but yeah, Naz and Houghton are both 
two teams that I think are have gotten a lot better in a short period of time. And, you know, there's no overlooking either of them. Um, NAS graduated. They had a bunch of grad grad students um, grads last year who really carried them for five years and, you know, didn't know what it was going to look like with them all leaving. And in some, some ways they are probably better. They are um, the way they execute, the way they move the ball uh, defensively, just a toughness about them. Um, and then, you know, it's it's not just one or two people you can focus on. All five on the floor can score. Um, and I don't know if I would, I would have said that in the past about Naz. And Houghton, similar, an athletic, long team um, who, who they, their pressure is great. Um, and when they're on, they can score. Um, I think one of their one of their players had 38 and then followed up with another maybe 26 or 28 point performance after that. They have players who can score. Um, and so, you know, love being eight. No, but I have to, we have to see those two teams again. Um, and we're going to have to be better next time. We yeah. See them. You see them again. Your advantage is you finish the season at home against both of those. Actually, you have a lot of home games to finish this stretch. Home's going to be important because you only have one road game the rest of the season. Um, Sage Hartwick on at home, Cuca on the road, then Elmira, Alfred, Utica, Houghton, and Nazareth at home. You've gotten the road stuff out of the way first. You get to enjoy, even if there's a blizzard, the fact that you can stay at home. That has got to be important. Yeah, Houghton is actually on the road. That'll oh, be it is, and I have it wrong. Road. I apologize. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. It should be on the road. Yeah, I apologize. Our system's got it we, wrong. We, we do have um, quite a few home games left, and with how the schedule worked, I'm thankful we got uh, the, the Hartwick Sage trip out of the way early. That's that's never an easy one, um, and especially going back that we, we had those rematches this weekend and in watching that film. Um, we It was a long time ago, but also that road trip is tough, and, and we definitely did not play great basketball. Um, but we, we, we love our court. Um, we, we tend to shoot much better. We're not scoring well on the year, but we tend to shoot a lot better in our gym. And uh, I'm thankful that we're going to be finishing up with Naz here. Um, Houghton on the road, that, that's going to be a tough game. It, not only because of who they are, but it's a tough place to play. They have a, a fun environment in, in their gym, and um, they're going to be you know playing for second or third probably um, or, or first, um, depending on how things kind of shake out. So it's, it's going to be a competitive game at the end of the year. We'll have to change. Uh, I was using the D3 Hoops schedules, which are always great, but apparently one of us was probably uh, sleepwalking, and it could have been me when we put that one in. So we'll, we'll fix that All one. All good. Change it to a way. Uh, by the way, Sage is shaking their head, saying you weren't playing well on that trip. You beat them 84-33 um, uh, back on December 2nd. But I know what your point is. Hartwick is obviously a very tough place. Um, quickly about the conference. We, we alluded to it there, and we certainly talked about it before. Geneseo and Brockport coming in. You're on the modern Geneseo entering the conference that does a bunch of things first it takes four games away from your non-conference look unless there's some major scheduling um difference coming that that is you know you won't play everybody twice so that's gonna have a huge impact on how you schedule out of conference second it's your alma mater like that's got to be a little on the surreal side yeah well so brockport geneseo and suny poly all right. three are good point forgot about suny poly yeah they um, came in later so we, I don't, I don't, six games. You know, we're, we're gonna, I think that they're gonna stick with 16 games. So we're gonna play okay. some teams, play some teams once. Thankfully. So they're gonna do the ODAC model. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and having Geneseo in conference is awesome. It's, you know, it's a team that I love to play. Um, my, uh, one of our assistants, Kara uh, Ingalls, formerly Kara Hoopert, she played at Geneseo, a couple sweet 16s for her. 
Um, we, we were excited about that. Um, and, you know, Brockport too, not only because they're neighbors and, you know, somewhat of a rival, but it's just going to increase the strength of schedule. Those are, those are two teams that um, have obviously have, have been very strong in the SUNYAC. And I, I think the SUNYAC is, is a phenomenal league stinks that it has to break up in, in some ways, but I'm, I'm not opposed to teams like that coming and, and making us better. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, I mean, your team in Brockport, as you said, coming in is going to change it up. It's going to, it's going to certainly increase it. And your scheduling out of conference is going to have to be a little bit more strategic probably as a result, because obviously you have less games too. Uh, you'll have nine games, I guess you're saying, to, to, or eight games, something like that, to schedule in non-conference action. We're looking forward to seeing how that all plays out down the road. Thanks for reminding me about SUNY Poly. I had, because it came separate. I'm totally blanking yeah. on that one. Um, you sent me a fun little note, by the way, that the team is getting used to um, what parenthood is like to some degree. You mentioned your former assistant. By the way, both Genesee, uh, Geneseo uh, players, yourself, you both had tremendous careers at Geneseo. So it's not surprising that the uh, coaching career has blossomed with the both of you. But uh, parenthood, too. You, you got some kids uh, who are distracting this team a little bit, coach. <laughs> I, I think distracting in a good way. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Um, I, I was definitely tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. In, in, uh, over the summer, we run a high school summer league here, and Kara was um, – this happened the last time we were on an interview. Lights go out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the time the, uh, ran out on me. Exactly. <laughs> the summer league, Kara uh, was coaching a, a high school team, and her mom was behind the bench with her newborn, um, and I knew that we needed a, another assistant. And so I just kind of mentioned to her mom, hey, you know, you know anyone who might be looking? And she said, well, what about Kara? And you know, I look at Kara coaching a varsity team and her mom's holding her newborn. Um, long story short, that night I got a text from Kara. And, you know, a couple of days later, she's she's on staff with her um, at the time, I think was two or three months old. And I was very, very pregnant at that point. Um, I had my daughter uh, during, well, I left our, our third practice um, of the season to go, to go have, have my daughter hope. Um, and so she is now four months. So we have like a four month and a seven month old who, uh, accompany us. Um, the team is great at, you know, when we have to pass babies off to, to check in at hotels or to get stuff out to the bus, um, join, they join practice. Um, it's, it's been awesome. I think for us too, as moms, to be able to be around our, our kids, um, to be able to have them, you know, with us and, and not feel like we're, we're leaving our husbands, um, out to dry with all the work, but also that we're not missing out on stuff. Um, but at the same time, I think it's been great for our players to, to see um, all the work that goes into it, but also just how rewarding it is to do what we love, have our kids with us, um, and and to be able to be moms. I've heard that message many a time it, that it's it it helps uh, student athletes learn earlier on that you know what you can do both, and we should be in we should be promoting that in general. That this isn't supposed to be a shut down your life type thing. That you can do both and, and make it work. Uh, and get the support wherever you need it. By the way, go ahead and lean on your husbands. I know my wife does with me. It's amazing. I got a 1 p.m. show today um, because I'm pretty sure some kid needed to get picked up somewhere that she's going to take care of. But I'll, I'll it'll come back in spades. Um, okay. But yeah, no, I get it. And and hats off to all of you. That's just tremendous. I love it. Uh, so much has changed in in women's basketball. That has changed in women's basketball and it's awesome to see uh talk to you plenty we're running late i appreciate the time you took obviously the lights told us we were running late and so we got to get going uh but uh, we always give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in 
Uh, you know, really, I I think that we as a as a program, you've brought you use the word consistency a ton, um, and I I think that 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 has to be you know our motto going forward and something that we focus on. Um, and with that, I appreciate your consistency of constantly you know putting putting Division three basketball um, at the forefront of people's minds and and making our student athletes and, and us coaches too feel important um, with what we're doing. So thank you for your consistency, and we're going to keep doing that too. Well, you are important, and that's the point. So um, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and uh, we promise next time lights won't turn off. We'll do better. We'll do better. <laughs> we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah, see. I know. Let's not. Maybe I shouldn't promise. Uh, Coach, take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the season. Look forward to catching up with you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Melissa Cooper. Joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Uh, awesome season they're having once again. Uh, Sage and Hartwick coming up on at home. And, yes, I did have that wrong. Houghton will be on the road. But great, great stretch run here to finish up the season. We'll keep an eye on if it's another conference title in the Empire 8. When we come back, we'll take a break, talk about another Cardinals team. We'll head down to D.C., talk men's basketball with Catholic University and Aaron Kelly. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can to get a friend home safe to never blame the victim it's on us to stand up to make our community safe for all it's on us it's on us to look out for each other at parties it's on us to be more than just a bystander to step up and say something it's on us all of us to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on a Thursday afternoon, you've got questions for us. All the information at the bottom of your screen, if you're listening on the podcast, the easiest way to do this, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. If you want to follow us on social media, look up at d3hoopsville. That's pretty much for everything. Twitter, Instagram, threads, YouTube. The only exception is is um, Facebook, but I'm pretty sure you'll find us anyway. Or just take the D3 off of there. You'll find us there. Well, simulcasting, thanks again. Back on Facebook. Still don't know why we got dropped and they thought our stream was over. Of course, we're on YouTube as well, and we're on our Team One Sports app through Huddle Blueframe as well. All right, switching back to men's basketball, talking to another Cardinals team down in Washington, D.C. Landmark Conference is being controlled, not surprisingly, by the Cardinals of Catholic University in men's basketball and women's basketball. I had their women's coach on earlier this season. Aaron Kelly, the graduate of Catholic, has got his team clicking along at um, whoop, had that. It's not the right one. They were 22 and 4 last season. They are 16 and 2 this season, 10 and 1 in conference play, avenging the one loss in conference uh, play to Susquehanna with a win at home against Susquehanna last night. Yeah, we knew the risk going in. We knew Frank Marcinic's team could do it twice, but we took the risk anyway. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about all of it is the head coach of the Cardinals of Catholic, Aaron Kelly, who I just saw last week. Good to see you, coach. It's good to see you too, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on as well. Always get a good kick out of chatting with you. Uh, we'll have some fun with that in a little bit. But first and foremost, I want to talk about the season because, again, two losses on the year. Hoods uh, snipped you 65-63. By the way, they've snipped a couple other teams this year, uh, including in Widener. And then Susquehanna yeah. got you by two points back at the beginning of December. But since then, you guys have absolutely been rolling and I am assuming that after the Susquehanna loss, January 24th got circled. Yeah, it did. It did. It's uh, That has become a really healthy rivalry for us. Um, they do such a good job. And and for, I've actually learned a ton from just watching Frank evolve his team through a season. Um he does an amazing job of like tinkering and tinkering and trying new things out. And his team always seems to be playing a little bit better as the season goes on. 
Um, and they've done it again this year. They've changed their, their style of play and they've played a few different ways and they're playing really well. And, and they had beaten us. Uh, I don't know how many times in a row, but I don't know, five or six. Um, so yeah, we, we were excited for the game last night. It was good to get it. It was good to get the win. It was hard. Um, it felt like a playoff game. Um, but that's, those are the games you like. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. You know what? God, we could dive down a rabbit hole about Frank Marcinic, couldn't we? Because it, I swear every time I see him, it's a different team. It's a different look. You hardly ever get a team that is out of it. Uh, you never get a team that's down in the dumps. You never get a team. Even the teams you think aren't going to be playing well, they play well. He's always got a smile yeah. on his face. He's always positive about things. He loves to ride the refs, but in a playful way. They're one of the funner yeah. teams to watch, and sometimes I just get distracted watching him. They, they are. You know, and and. I didn't realize this, but I was kind of combing through the scouting report last night and I'm looking at his guys. I'm like, man, they're really good. They're really well coached. It's going to be a really tough game. They're all sophomores. You know, he's right. His his team's young. Uh, He's got some freshmen playing. He's got a lot of sophomores playing. Like, man, this group is going to be really good um, for the next couple of years, for sure. That's the scary part for you guys because this is a team that's not going away. Uh, yeah. For a squad in yourself who is heavily upperclassmen. Um, one yep. graduate student, we'll talk about him in a bit, a whole mess of seniors, whole mess of juniors, yep. not so many sophomores and freshmen. Uh, obviously, that you know things will change and, and things will evolve, but you're in it for the now and next season where Frank and his team looks like they've got it ready to go even further past that. So does that add pressure to getting it done now? Not really. Uh, cause I tell you, we got some freshmen and sophomores who are not playing, who can play, you know, they, they're just, they're sitting behind some, some seniors who have done it before. Uh, but I'm confident a year from now or two years from now, when some of these guys get their crack, um, they're going to be ready to go and, and they're going to compete, I think with, with the best teams in the league. And, um, but we just, we got a group of, of upperclassmen right now who, they, they were my first recruiting class when I got to Catholic, you know, so they got a chance to play as freshmen and they've just got a ton of experience. They, they've gone through a ton of adversity. Um, so it's it's fun to just watch them get to play out this last year and, and, and see it going well for them right now. Let's talk about the team. We'll come back to the season and all that other stuff in a moment. You're led by Jesse Halfmeister, uh, 16 points a game, five and a half boards per contest. I think he's second on the team. He's tied for third on the team in assists, or fourth on the team. Let's see, 41, 38, 31. Yeah, third on the team, tied with. Um, oh, that's personal fouls. What am I reading here? I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally cool here. Uh, tied for third it's still uh, for assists. Um, has a lot of steals as well and a lot of blocks. But you also have Tommy Kelly, uh, Enzo mm-hmm. Secchi, and and Sean Nalen. Um, 12.7, 10.3, 8.7. Shoot. I got to mention Dan Buckley too, 8.1 yeah. as well. And Brian Herbert, 7.8. That's a lot of options because yeah, it starts with Halfmeister at 16.2 and I'll dive into that in a little bit, but you've got a lot of guys who are getting seven plus points per contest. And I saw it personally. It doesn't have to go through Halfmeister. That, that, that is what I've loved about this team. Um, I think when we started the year, I, I, I forget what the statistic was, but I think it was in our first, First six games, I think we had five different leading scorers. Um, and and we've kind of leaned into that with this team. And it, it takes the pressures off, you know, individuals. You know, we don't we don't need Jesse to go out and get 30 for us to win. He can have an off night and somebody else can step up 
uh, and we we were still capable of winning a game. So we've really leaned into like the the collective. You know, I think we got guys coming off the bench who could be starters. Um, you look at a kid like CJ Ruoff. If you looked at his numbers, uh, he, he he should be playing more minutes. You know, um, Jake Timby could be playing a lot more minutes. Um, so you, it's been fun. Like that, that's my favorite thing about this team is is the depth. Uh, and I would say the versatility of this team and, and being able to play a lot of different lineups to present a lot of different types of of challenges to other teams. And but it takes unselfish kids in order to do that. Um, and up to this point, our group has been really good about, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is winning, you know, and, and they're not as caught up in in scoring and in, in, in accolades, which has been kind of really fun to be a part of. Uh, the PA announcer brain just finally kicked in in the middle of that, and it's half Meester. Um, I, I knew I was saying it wrong. Uh, I can literally see the f- pronunciation guide in front of my face now. Um, sorry, Jesse. But to the point, so I saw you guys last week at Goucher, and listen, <laughs> I mentioned it was rivalry night, and you know, Pat took a shot at me about it's not much of a rivalry between the two. I get that. I, I never expected it to be, and I didn't expect the Gophers to necessarily pull off a surprise but I did see some surprises. Jesse Halfmeister, you did not play very much, and he didn't have much of an impact in that game. There were the bench guys who seemed to have more of an impact. You mentioned Ruoff and others. That surprised yeah. me. Uh, Enzo had a good game, but he, it, it wasn't blow the doors off the building. Actually, nobody blew the doors off the yeah. building. Tommy Kelly had a good game, but I remember sitting there watching going, okay, this is a good team, yeah. But they're not relying on anybody. Yeah. Half Half Meester's not even playing, and it's he's not in foul trouble. Yeah. It. it I was actually thrown driving home that night. I kind of thought to myself, Gee, "Who did I just see?" Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of it is we we've had a, a really good offensive year, but we're we're still driven uh, defensively. You know, and it's kind of the way that I approach the game is when I'm looking at a team the the, the first thought to cross my brain is not how are we going to score it's like how are we going to stop them? right so sometimes my decisions are rooted more on the defensive side of things um knowing that whoever we put in the game they're they're, they're going to be capable offensive players but I always feel more comfortable in a game when when we're getting stops and, and knowing that uh if we get enough stops like eventually the ball is going to go through the basket and, and then we can kind of open it up on the offensive end. But uh, with this group, I've, I've loved our defensive numbers. Um, you know, we're holding teams to a good, very good field goal D percentage. Um, teams are not scoring a lot of points against us. So that's usually how I, the, the lens that I look at it through first. And, and sometimes that determines who gets on the floor and, and, and for how long. To my point about Halfmeister, by the way, folks, uh, he had eight points in 24 minutes on three and nine shooting, two for five from deep, two rebounds, an assist, four steals, two turnovers, and four fouls. The fourth one, I think, came late against Goucher. That was something like the fourth or fifth lowest, uh, third or fourth lowest point total, third or fourth lowest minutes played. Be honest with you, 24 minutes feels like a lot. I didn't think he was in the game that long. And my point being is, it was the other guys who contributed to this unit. It was you were going deep in the bench. In what was an interesting game until late, to be honest. I, I even at twenty points, I, I was kind of intrigued. And then s- apparently, you guys decided to shoot the lights out of the building. They had to go replace them. Um, yeah, sixty plus percent in the second half. That kind of ended yeah. that one, and it was mainly in the second ten minutes. 
Yeah. But that's what makes you guys dangerous because you have players, as you have already said, coming off the bench who are going to contribute even in small ways that can make a big difference and nobody's scout is going to go that deep. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's, it's, it's a luxury. I feel incredibly um, fortunate to have a group like this. And, and like I said, we're, we're the, the, the difference between this year's team and last year's team is I think our ability to be versatile and, you know, the last few years, I think our Achilles heel was physicality. We had a tendency to play small. You know, we were playing Brian Herbert almost exclusively as a five. He's more of a guard. So when teams tried to beat us up, they tried to get physical with us. We had to space them out. We had to shoot shoot our way out of that game. Where this year, with adding Enzo, with um, Jamie Intuamoa, who's playing a little bit more as a physical forward, we now have the ability to go small, but we can also go big and we can be physical and, and we've done a better job of getting to the free throw line. Uh, we've done a better job of offensive rebounding the ball. Um, so I just, I feel a lot more complete this year. And, and if, you know, every team is going to present problems, but I, I usually feel like we've got some solutions, you know, to, to, to those problems. And where last year I thought we were maybe a little bit more one dimensional. You mentioned Enzo, transfer in from Trinity, Texas of last season. He was at Colorado College before that. Didn't play very much for Trinity, Texas. Kind of caught us all by surprise. I'm not going to dive into the scuttlebutt, but we heard it didn't really end well there. He was off the roster by midseason. So I was pretty intrigued to see him, see what he contributed. Again, and this isn't a knock, didn't blow my doors off because none of you guys were. That, that just He seems to fit in. For a guy, and, and I could be wrong, so forgive me, but the perception I'd gotten from very far away was he was a me guy. And he can't be a me guy at CUA, and I didn't see a me guy on the floor, and I haven't seen a me guy on video. No. Is that a change in mentality on his part, or is it just the right place for him? I don't I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know. Oh, absolutely I, fair, yeah. You know, I'm just... I know who the conversations that Enzo and I had when he, uh, you know, was pursuing coming to Catholic and we sat down in my office and he said, coach, all I want to do is play college basketball and all I want to do is win. And I took him at his word and he has been nothing but exceptional with regard to that. It, it's true. All he wants to do is win. He's capable of scoring. I think last night against Susquehanna, I think he led us in scoring. I think he might have had 16 or 17 because it was the right thing for him to do. Uh, and then there have been other games where he is such a willing passer and such a good passer and, and such a high IQ guy that he has generated a ton of offense for us um, and not always like showing up in, in the box score. They, they don't always show up as assists. But um, he's been incredibly selfless. Um, and I, I do think that part of our early season, I felt like our offense was a little bit clunky. And one of the reasons it was is because I think that he was trying not to step on any toast. He wanted to blend in, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what his offensive game is. And, you know, I finally realized, like, what, what his skill set was. I started putting him in, 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 I think, some better spots. And he's he's just kind of exploded late you know and he had way more guard skills than i gave him credit for he is a, a very comfortable three-point shooter he's comfortable handling the ball out on the perimeter he's a very good passer so when i kind of took 
you know, took the handcuffs off him a little bit. I, I think you saw a real offensive burst from him. Um, but he is he is super competitive. Um, he wants to win. He's all about the right stuff. Um, he's been just a great a great fit with our guys. I appreciate the perspective because, um, you know, again, a lot of us had questions. And, and yes, he fits in very well for you guys. Uh, going back to the last couple of seasons, as you talked about, oh, by the way, yes, he led the team in scoring with uh, 17 last night. You had four guys in double figures. Halfmeister had 15, Tommy Kelly with 12, and uh, Sean Nealon with 11 um, with that win. You guys ended up shooting, sorry, hold on a sec, uh, 10 for 11 from the free throw line, 3 of 13 from deep, and 31 for 67 at 46% from the floor. Uh, again, I don't appreciate um, you deciding to shoot more than 60% at the Gopher Dome, okay? You, you don't need to show off. Uh, last couple of seasons, you talked about them. Um, last year, 22-4, and 11-3, but you lost three of your last four, including the championship game against Scranton, which pretty much that three out of four ended any postseason hopes you all mm-hmm. had past that. Lost to Drew the previous season, again, in the conference tournament, uh, you had too many losses earlier in the season on a 17-7 and campaign to get to the NCAA tournament. This is a program that's got a national title under its back, uh, L, under its belt, as you fully know. Um, is is there pressure to get back to the NCAA tournament? Um, I mean, if you allow there to be pressure, then yes, there is. You know, um, I we would love to be in the NCAA tournament. That's a that's a goal of our programs. Um, so I think if you, you know, if you have lofty goals, there's going to be pressure. You know, there's there's no denying it. We're in college athletics. So I think there's pressure on every team in the country, you know, whether it's to make their conference tournament or the best teams want to win a national championship or some teams just want to get to the tournament. Whatever your goals are, you're going to feel pressure. Um, so, yeah, the, there's pressure on us. And when we uh, openly talk about that quite a bit as a program, Right. I think sometimes the worst thing a coach can say is like, hey, guys, don't worry about it. Well, if they are worried about it, telling them not to worry about it doesn't help them. Right. So if we're feeling pressure and we want to perform well in the conference tournament or we want to get to the NCAA tournament or whatever our goals are, we say, okay, how are we feeling? Right. Everybody talks about how they feel. Well, how do we manage these feelings? You know, how do we put ourselves in a good spot so that we're performing at our best, knowing there's no, you know, there's no guarantees? Um, so is there pressure? Sure. Uh, do I think we're very well equipped to deal with it? I do, you know, in, in, in part because of the experiences that you just talked about, you know, we, we lost in the conference tournament last year, two years ago, we played true and we were up 19 with four minutes to go and they went on a run and, and it was like, a, you know, what a 20 point run to end the game. And we were on sports center, you know, like, I, I remember we, that now. Yeah. We, we had to deal with all of that stuff. And instead of ignoring it, we've embraced it and we've collected those experiences. And I think we're better off for it. And that's one thing we've talked a lot about this season is like, we want to be put in tough environments because what we're looking to do is collect a lot of different types of experiences. And we had a playoff type environment last night against Susquehanna. There was a great crowd. It was loud. Susquehanna was really good. There was there was pressure on our guys to perform, and they performed pretty well. And, and after the game, we said, "Hey, whether we won or lost that game, that experience is good for us. That that's what we're seeking and trying to replicate as much as we can." Um, so yeah, there is pressure, 
uh, but it's it's a good thing, you know. I I think. No, I get it, and that's I appreciate that insight and and understanding that. Um, I think some would probably say, "Oh no, there's no pressure," because they're trying to downplay it and pretend it's not there. Yeah, um, no, which there. may not be healthy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, rest of the conference ain't going to be easy because you're going to be on the road most of it. Mm-hmm. You only have uh, three games at home: Moravian, Drew, and Goucher. Uh, Moravian's the next game coming up on Saturday. Drew will be on the 10th of February. The 14th will be against the Gophers. You got Elizabethtown, Scranton, Juniata, and Lyco on the road in that stretch. Granted, no Swarthmore. But when you look yep. at the conference, which is much different this year, as we've talked about, Lyco and Wilkes are in the conference. Scranton not playing like we normally have. They're sitting at the bottom at two and nine in conference play, four and fourteen overall. Um, you've got the Susquehanna team playing well. You got a Drew team playing well, but it's not with Daryl Keckler, who's in his second season at Moravian. This is kind of a jumbled up landmark conference a little bit. Has it been a, a little bit different? Uh, obviously, it's been different this year, but is yeah. but even the common ones are different. Has it been just something of an adjustment this year? It feels different. You know, it, it definitely feels different. It's definitely been in a, I mean, we play 18 league games now, you know, and, and last year we, we played 14. Uh, so we jumped into to league play a lot faster. Um, so it just, it feels like you've been in league play for, for a really long time. Um, you know, like we had never played Lyco before. Uh, we had never played Wilkes before. You know, we just went on the road and played up at Wilkes and it was like, there's another one. It felt like a playoff game. You know, like they're they're really good. They're really well coached. Um, so the travel is different. Um, you know, the, the the amount of league games is is different. Um, Goucher feels different. You know, like what Coach Klingman's doing at Goucher already. You can feel it. Um, yeah, I think the 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 league this year I feel like has more depth to it. I, I feel like the teams in the middle of the league are are talented. And and they can they can get you. Um, so it's it's been fun, you know. It, but it's it's challenging. And every time you play a game, somebody's going to present a challenge um, that's going to that's going to keep you up at night, you know, until until you get a chance to tip it up. Reminder: Klingman was your associate head coach for a number of years uh, before he left and took the Gopher job. You're the one who made the air in letting him go. Um, uh, <laughs> but you seem to have a smile on your face about it. Uh, I know it's early, but six non-conference games is it? Is it too many conference games? Do we need to look at a NODAC model here for uh, uh, to give you guys a little bit more non-conference action? Like it, yeah. I, I, I mean, like it's it. tough to do in this conference with travel, though. Yeah, I mean, we, I think that if if we had a little bit more freedom to schedule non-conference games, schools would be able to, uh, you know, kind of seek out their goals a little bit easier. Right. So you may have a program where, hey, I'm just getting there and we're not ready to play a really competitive schedule. And you want to try to collect some wins and you want to schedule a little bit softer in your non-conference to give your guys some confidence and some experience. Yeah, yeah having more non-conference games allows you to do that. If you're a team, if you have a team that thinks like, hey, we could be an at-large team, right? Like we want to schedule as difficult as possible, right? You have more opportunity to go schedule different. You know, you can you can schedule difficult. You can go schedule out of region games, and you can try to collect regionally ranked games. You know, which which is a big deal for for the NCAA selection. So I I think you know I, I know the Centennial did it. Um, I, I I would imagine we would look into it. At least yeah, Centennial in- will go to it. They're not doing it not this year. It's next year. Yep. Yeah. So, but but Aaron, you know, the travel in this conference is is kind of a sticking point. 
going back a few years where you travel to the furthest opponent on Saturdays, you travel to the nearest opponent on Wednesdays. By the way, I don't like it. I think your rivals should be on a Saturday, not a freaking Wednesday. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you should play some games and and mix it up so everybody doesn't get used to the same schedule and all. But if you go to an unbalanced schedule like the ODAC, you're going to start having to put some, maybe some more difficult trips into the middle of the week. Potentially. I feel like our Capron travel is, is challenging. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're at the furthest <laughs> southern part, so yeah. I mean, that's the perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I look at it kind of from a from a, a, a selfish perspective. We're in D.C. and there's Right, a, there's every trip's long except for one. Yeah, and, and for our non-conference, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be difficult to get games. For the record, but, that trip is long in the middle of the darn week trying to deal with the D.C. and Baltimore traffic, so it, yeah, it's long yeah, anyway, it's, right? Two hours anyway, you cut it, no matter when you leave. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've talked to a few coaches in the league who all seem to be on board with 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 a few more non conference opportunities. Um, but it's something we can present to our our commissioner and, and talk with our athletic directors and just see if it's if it's the right thing to do. Uh, I'm not a scheduling expert, um, but that's just that's my two cents. No, I get it. I appreciate it. Listen, I've taken a ton of your time. I got Jim Haney waiting on on standby for me, and I'm I, late getting to him. I could dive into more topics with you, but but we'll restrain ourselves and talk another time for sure. Uh, but I appreciate your perspective, and good luck the rest of the campaign. I know there's a lot of big games ahead, and I know you got some unfinished business. So we look forward to seeing how the Cardinals play out and see both programs maybe back in March. Um, as always, I would give the coach final word. Many final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is is uh, a tip of the cap to you for the stuff that you do for the Division Three game. Um, and it's been really fun for me to kind of discover and see all the different types of outlets that we have now that are bringing a little bit more attention to the Division Three game and in the you know the, the bubble watch and the in analytics and the guys who have just invested themselves in Division Three. You all have made it a lot more accessible, I think, for the coaches. And it's not as regional as it used to be. And I have more access now to the national landscape of what's happening in Division Three. Um, it's fun. It's like it's it's really fun. And I think the level of play continues to get better. The coverage continues to get better. And and for my money, um, I think Division Three, you know, high level Division Three basketball is just about the sweet spot in college athletics at the moment um, with what's going on in college basketball. So it's been fun for me to follow, you know, you guys and, and uh, appreciate the coverage that, that you guys are giving all these programs. All of that well said about everything else that's come together. I agree with you. It's certainly a lot more fun now. It's been a lot of fun, but it keeps getting more fun. And, uh, and as I say to every guest, you coming on the show helps us be able to tell yeah. the stories. So I appreciate you finding a chunk of time today. Hey, uh, take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the campaign. I know we'll be talking and uh, enjoy it at least. Thank you. I will. I appreciate it, Dave. See ya. Aaron Kelly yeah. joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. As always, a fun chat with him. Uh, remember grad of twenty or 2006 there and went off to do some D1 basketball, came back from being assistant at George Mason. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk officiating with Jim Haney. We will talk uh, in National Officials Week. We'll talk about how men's basketball officiating is going in the division. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. 
The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect, it's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll here, if you've got questions for us, make sure you uh, tweet us um, you know, or, or email us or whatever you need to do. Got lots of ways to uh, chat with us on the program here live on a Thursday. A reminder, Thursday shows will be live at 1 o'clock Eastern time for basically the rest of the season except for an upcoming show on the 15th of February. Then we'll back off and uh, do our normal 7 o'clock show. Monday shows will stay at 7 o'clock Eastern time, though. Got some intriguing ideas of the future of programming but we'll talk about that down the road um we'll wrap that up also after this segment with some other news all right if you didn't know it's national officiating week and while we're a little bit um stealing that as a basketball side obviously there's a lot of officiating across college sports but it's certainly the spotlight is always on officiating in sports rightly or wrongly um that opens up a Pandora's box, doesn't it? But how is officiating going this year? Uh, we were hoping to get both um, national coordinators on today's show, but me, my fault, uh, jumping on the on the bandwagon to try to book it a little bit too late. We weren't able to get uh, Donnie Souders, the women's coordinator, on, but we do hope to get him on down the road. He's looking forward to joining us. But we did get a friend of the program, Jim Haney, to join us on the Hoopsville Hotline, the national quarter of men, coordinator of men's officiating Division III, uh, a job that Jim basically helped create. Um, I've forgotten how long you've been doing this now for, Jim. Year seven. Wow, it's been seven years. What? Yes, seven years. Wow, lost track of time there. That is insane. I I had it at four, but there you go. Hey, listen, from your perspective, I know you had a lot of lofty goals at the start of this campaign at seven years. Are we there? Or have you been able to get some of those accomplished? Or are some still falling short? Well, that's a that's a loaded question. Um, yes, we're, it is. We're, ne- <laughs> we're never going to get to where you and I want it. Fair. But to say to say that we haven't had success um, would be wrong because we have been successful. There has been some some initiatives and some changes for the good. Um, the NABC and I have have all started to pull the rope in the same direction trying to make our game better. That had never happened before in, in college basketball. But we have opened up that channel, and it's been terrific, the communication uh, between the two organizations. And um, the officiating has gotten better. The communication to coaches has gotten better. The accountability's gotten better. Um, it's never going to be the same all over in the 10 regions. Are you going to say that Wisconsin and New England and Maryland are all going to referee the game the same? No, you know that, and I know that. That's why you put that silly smile on your face. Yes, it is. Because you're just you're just waiting for me to say something like that. Well, it's going to be the same, and you're going to jump right in on that. But no, was, you know, I, Dave, I think I think we're better off uh, than we were seven years ago, and I hope in three years when we get to the joint championship in Indianapolis that we've even made more strides. No, I absolutely agree. Listen, having it universal across the board, what I I think it always fits under the category of it's a great ideal. It is not with human factors going to be achievable to the to the zenith, like to hit that perfect mark. We don't see it in Division 1, which has a better chance of pulling it off. We don't see it in the NBA, even though I barely watch. We don't see it in other sports. Because there is a human factor to it. I had a game last night 
with two pretty good referees and one I would call average. And I think they got caught in a weird game and had some tough calls that weren't maybe right. That's not a knock on them. It's just that they were human in a weird game. Um, and I think the I think highly of two of those guys. Digger will probably go out and bang it out and have a great game the next time they're out there because it's just a different factor. That's the other thing here. But how hard is it? Was it as hard as you expected? I guess is a better way of saying it. To get the ship turned, because I remember when we talked about this early on about getting it a little bit more universal, that there were a lot of people like, give me a break. That's not how we officiate here. Was it hard to get the ship turned a little bit at least to say, well, no, you need to at least be within a certain scope that everyone's trying to be in? Well, of course, when you when you you're always going to get pushed back a little bit. But we have 26 supervisors right now that are working for us. And after seven years, they know the program. They know how the setup goes and they know what's required of them for their conference to get people into our NCAA tournament. So they know I'm watching games and I watch games all over the country. And again, UW Whitewater last night walked into the locker room and three guys looked at me and said, what in the hell are you doing here? Which is the normal reaction when I walk in anymore, because you never know where I'm going to walk into the locker room. But yet they refereed great in a, in a very difficult WIAC game, which was a little different than a freedom conference game in our area. I absolutely and agree. They, they, they did terrific. I mean, it's just, played a little bit differently and that's okay that's okay i get it but i what i really want is i i want us to keep pulling the rope the same direction that's all i want us to do just keep trying to make little changes and don't make the major change it's not going to happen you know it i know it but let's tweak it every year a little bit more and see where we can get it to in three years which will be my 10th year yeah, no, that's that I completely agree. And by the way, there were guys out in Vegas this year who were both like, "Hey, is is the coordinator here this year?" Because man, he surprised the heck out of us a few years back when he when he showed up. And I sat there laughing because I knew <laughs> a you might be back out at some point, and b I know some of those conversations weren't so great. To that point, um, you talk about tweaking the. We're always tweaking the rules. We're always tweaking the rules, and I say we. I'm not involved in this. Uh, the coaches in the NCAA are always trying to tweak the rules. And it and it obviously driven by D1 a lot. But you get conversations like, what is an offensive charge now? What is a defensive block? I feel pretty confident with how I understand the rule, but that doesn't mean I'm – I even every year I get a little confused by it. How hard is that on the officials when they've been doing it a certain way and now they're tweaked or they got used to the tweak and it's been retweaked again? It's David's – it's – we all have to adapt. I mean, we have to, when you're in this position as an official, you're driven by the guidelines of, of the rules and the, the chance committee and, and whatever the rules committee puts out. And then we're trying to figure out how it best works for everybody. And division three is no different than anybody else. Remember, we have a, we have a, a, a different group. We have a, a group coming in transitioning from high school into college every year, say 10 or 15, 20% of the staffs. So their transition already is hard. So they're not, they're not used to any tweaks or whatever. They're coming in just for the rules that as it is. It's the 
older generation, I'll say that sometimes the tweaks, it's hard for them to adapt to. And, and we revert back sometimes to our old ways. And that's okay. That's okay. Because they deserve that. They, they've, they've worked so many games and they have so much credibility with the coaches and the athletic directors and their, their fellow officials. It's okay. And I, I get it. I'm not reinventing the wheel just because they don't call a block charge play the way I want it or stand in where I want them to stand. I, I, you know, the object is we do the best we can for an hour and a half and, and we, we see what happens. Well, and back to the previous conversation about accountability, they've also gotten used to the fact, and the new ones are just automatically in tune with what it is, that you're going to get feedback at the national level. You're going to get feedback from your um, assigner. You're going to get information with video attached, most likely, to say, hey, maybe you didn't call this right, or I want your opinion on this. And that cooperation now exists that didn't exist prior to you coming on board. That's correct. And that's that's the big change is feedback and accountability. Every supervisor is on board with giving feedback to every official. And that's all anybody wants. Tell me how I'm doing so I can get better or what I have to fix. And that's why these guys all over the country are so appreciative. Maybe not when I initially walk into the locker room and they look at me and say, oh, shit, here we go. But after the game, the, the, the conversations we have after the game are not only going to better them, but they're going to spread it throughout their staff in every locker room they go in, and it's going to make the staff better too. And it, by me working with the supervisor and me working with the officials, the communication's so much better, Dave, so much better. I am so happy where it's at, and now I'm going to keep trying to make it better. Quickly back to the charge um, block rule. I know you've gotten dragged in on Twitter on a few occasions, maybe even email, on what what is and what isn't a call based on the video that is shared. Can you just give everybody a sense, because it did change this year, and I know we're well into the season at this point, but what essentially is the demarcation between the two now? It's hard. It's hard. The 50-50 call is now, there are some obvious block charge plays when, I mean, even you and I would get them right sitting on row 17 where somebody gets run over and is standing there and it's a one-on-one play. The play that's really harder now is we're trying to take away, we put the arc in and we're trying to take away that guy sliding over as a secondary defender late in the process where he used to run underneath the basket and, and a big guy or a talented athlete would get hurt because he fell on top of him. So the rules committee said, how can we eliminate that? Well, we put the arc in. We made the defender now be outside the arc. That worked okay. But this new rule where he has to be there a lot longer than he used to prior to the guy leaving the floor with his last step is so much better. It's so much better. And what they're doing is they're reverting. If they don't know and they're not sure, they're just reverting to a block call for the safety of the athlete. Let the athlete make us not that we don't want to call charges or we won't call charges. And that was the debate early in the year on Twitter that we were doing that. And, oh, my God, we're never going to see a we're never going to see a player control foul anymore. And 
what is that? I mean, you guys are getting run over and it's blocking fouls. Well, that that's sort of quieted down. I haven't heard much of that at, at all anymore. Heck, I saw three or four charge calls last night, all legit. Um, yeah, me I, too. I didn't. Me ex- too. Yeah, I didn't expect that to disappear like the no, like most too. of they the voices very, out there. They were very good last night. The three guys from the WEAC were very good last night. And one of the other goals you had was to change the way the NCAA tournament ha- is officiated. And wow, Jim, that has been a huge success that everyone talks about now. It isn't crews from particular regions who are picking up games, especially at the Final Four. It is the best of the best who you feel deserves to be there and schedules allow. I do realize there's an element of that in play with D1. But that, that I know, was, a, was really an important factor for you. You took that one on immediately, or as immediate as you could. How successful has that been, and, and are you looking to still improve it? Yes, I am looking to still improve it because it can be better. I can do a better job of assigning games. Remember, the crews across the country I'm watching during the regular season, and I'm seeing them at Stevenson versus Hopkins or whatever, and it's a regular season game. I don't know how that crew's going to perform on a stage where it's winner go home. The stakes are ramped up. And yes, it's D3, but it's really important for our athletes because it might be the last time they ever play basketball. And for those schools and for those student bodies and coaches that have worked so hard to get there, those games are so important. And I have to do a good job of preparing my crews every year, somehow, some way to keep advancing them onto the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the semifinals, the finals. You know, so I have a little path that I create and I evaluate and I put the crews in a little bucket and say, okay, this year there's eight crews from last year that I looked at that I thought could have gone to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, whatever, maybe the national championship. Well, I'm going to start looking at them this year right away because I thought they were that good last year. So, you know, um, We'll get better. I'll get better at it. Uh, And then I got to hope, as you well know, and you saw that sometimes people on a big stage don't perform up to the level. And you can sit there and do everything. I, I, you know, you know, as well as I did, I was cringing last year a little bit. And I won't go into details. But there was one game that we all watched and it wasn't very good. And there was nothing I can do about it. Well, and it goes back to what we said at the beginning. There's a human factor involved in this still that you're never going to eliminate. Agree. Agree. And that's, but I will say this again, with the help of the NABC and with some evaluation programs in place across the country during the regular season and with me providing feedback, we are starting to get a better pool of officials throughout the country where in the past, before I started, that wasn't true. And you know that from going to watch oh, games in Salem. Absolutely. Hey, um, you had a tweet around Christmas that I I kind of cringed a little myself about. You were talking about away tournaments, which I totally understand. 
Um, you know, so you go down to Florida. There's no Division Three teams down there. The officiating crew is not going to be familiar with Division Three. You go to Puerto Rico. I don't know where they're getting their officiating crews from. You, there are some important games that are in play. Um, Vegas, those are Skyac officials for the most part. They're part of a conglomerate that does the Skyac. Some of them do Skyac. Some of them don't. But to your point in that tweet about you know making sure you know who the officials are, you've got some big games. I got two questions on it. The first is, how do we do? How can we get an event like Vegas, the D3Hoops.com Classic, get the officiating in that you feel it deserves? And then to expand on that, how would we do that in Florida and elsewhere? Some of those I know we can't do, but let's start with the Vegas one. Can can we do something that you think would help? the officiating be at a level that you think it deserves to be? This is a conversation that you and I need to sit with Pat over lunch someday before going to Stevenson or someplace or a game that you're doing in your area, and we can make that tournament elite. And I have a couple of ideas that we can put into place that would help you immensely. Now, the reason I say that is, the year that I was out there, Dave, first of all, I don't think anybody should be doing two games in a day. And that's currently happening. I felt bad. Fair. For yeah, Case I understand Western. what you're saying. I felt bad for Case Western and Oswego, which was two nationally ranked teams, that they had two guys that day do a second game, and that was their second game. Hey, look, games are hard. I don't care where they're at. They're hard. And when you get to be a certain age – it's hard. it's not AAU no more. It's it's these teams need that's a huge game on the schedule for those two teams, and it could come into play on that Sunday in in February, and that's all I'm worried about. I'm, I'm and a couple of things happened in Puerto Rico to some teams with coaches calling me that cost teams games because of the, of the officiating. I I just want I have ideas. It's 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 for me, you and Pat over lunch, which maybe even I'll buy on my limited budget, depending upon how much you guys are going to eat. Well, it depends but, how many flights you want to take this year. <laughs> yeah, but we can make that tournament elite. We Did- we can take the quality of officiating up to a, a, a really high level, and then you can use that to draw more national attention and more nationally ranked teams similar to the Great Lakes Invitational, which had so many good games. But to be a devil's advocate, you can get an officiating crew in the middle of a big conference game, whether it's the WIAC, the CCIW, NESCAC, wherever, ODAC, who don't do a good job, and that game could be just as pivotal a game in in in, in March, February, whatever the timing is, too. So, I get what you're saying there, but there there could be some major gremlins and, and mines somewhere else in the regular season, too. No question. No question. Every game's important. No question. But we're yeah. not – these teams are coming out to play the best teams, and you're setting up games terrifically for them to play teams from out of the regions. And, and you have regional – look at what our non-conference schedule was in November this year. Oh, my God. Randolph-Macon had three losses. Christopher Newport had three losses. There were teams just knocking heads against each other. The top 60 teams in the country are all playing each other. It's terrific. Oh, it is. Are you kidding me? It's terrific. The product that we're putting on the floor is great. 
And now we got to get, we've got to get, I've got to get the regular season up to the level that it belongs at. And I've got to get the non-conference tournaments, the officiating up to the level that that belongs at. That's way, another one of my pet peeves. And by the way, sport tours is who we'd have to get in that conversation tour yeah, too, because they're, they're the ones who I are agree. doing most of that. Um, to that point too, by the way, we talk about the pools for division three basketball on the women's side, the shortage of officiating, I think is starting to become glaring. Uh, and, and now I'm seeing it in person in my micro area of my region, but it feels like it's happening on a macro level as well. We don't have enough experienced officials and we're getting some really rough officiating at the women's level. I don't feel like I'm seeing it yet on the men's side, but I also know we have a, a, an official shortage thanks to a lot of dumb, dumb people who treat officiating uh, officials like they can yell and scream and whatever and, and push them out of the game. Is this a concern? Absolutely. It's a huge concern. And it hasn't hit us yet, but you can see it coming with how bad the high school ranks are getting. In I have seen sport. it there, yeah. In every sport you know, and I know, I still do high school basketball in our geographic region up there in the Valley. And um, I'm down 175 officials from three years ago. 175 have retired or quit over the last three years. And you've replaced how many? Um, That's... None. No, you, my my staff is just keep going. Now we've put people in. We've we've gotten some in, not a lot. So and we're that, pulling from that pool. Yes, that's what I was just gonna. That was my comment. I was just gonna make before you could pull as a college supervisor. You could call Jim Haney and say, Jimmy, send me send me ten guys to Spooky Nuke. Let me let me look at them and see how they do at camp because. I got it. You know, I need some new guys in, in your geographic region. I'm not sure I could send you 10 guys right now. That's scarier than I thought you were going to say to me. No, it's, it's, it's real. It's real. I'll just give you a quick story. I had a middle school scrimmage. A parent got arrested for harass arrested in a scrimmage where the coaches are out on the floor telling Susie and Joe and whoever, to, to run this play and then stopping it and running it. Right, exactly. It means nothing. Got arrested. Got arrested for going after the officials. How do I how do I tell a young 17-year-old high school kid this is a good this is a good advocation that you could come and make Oh, I, I have seen tremendous coaches or uh, officials in other sports who have quit because the abuse is redonkulous. I've been at games where I wanted to go knock heads of people and I've even used where they can hear me as a broadcaster. I've made a point of turning going, well, they're dead wrong complaining about, I know they're not listening to me, but it's gotten to that point. It's, it's, it's bad. I agree. I agree. And I, I don't have a solution for it. I don't, I don't that I'm, I'm really good. I'm not that good. Yeah. I hear you, man. That is scary to hear just in that region down 175 um by the way a positive of this is last year we got a kick out of the fact and i'm saying that a little tongue-in-cheek that we had some female officials enter kara hunter being one that i've gotten to know in this region um crystal i'm forgetting crystal's last name off the top of my head Hogan. i know 
Crystal Hogan. Thank you very much. I knew it was one of those I should remember. Um, both got a chance in the NCAA term, if memory serves, to get uh, be the first ever females in men's tournaments. And now I'm seeing much more numbers of that uh, turn around, and now we've got more female officials on the men's game, which I love. Maybe that's a little bit pulling away from the women's side. That's for another conversation. But... You know, we're getting more diverse, and I know that was also a priority of yours. You've got to be pretty thrilled with how the assigners are bringing in more women now. Thank you very much. There's an initiative that was a check check mark. That was another job that we had to do to get more diverse and, and to allow these people an opportunity, if they wanted, to have a door open for them. And Kara Hunter and Crystal Hogan broke the door down now. Uh, that's no longer an issue. Now it's if you're a referee, you're a referee. If you want to referee Division Three men's basketball, you can come on over and try out because every supervisor is on board as I am with giving people chances. And, and Kara Hunter was terrific at Randolph-Macon, and Crystal Hogan was terrific at Wheaton that night, that same night. They, they were their reviews were unbelievable, and it, you know, and that was. They honestly probably could have advanced into the tournament. They, they honestly had a chance to advance, although Kara didn't have any availability, and I'm not sure if Crystal did or not, but uh, they would have been in the pool probably for consideration for the second weekend. Well, um, I'll, I'll get a little hint. We're trying to work on getting Crystal and Kara on this show. It would be great to talk to them to get their perspective on that somewhere down the road. Um but again, Kara does Division One women, which is incredible enough that she does both genders. And Crystal does Division One men, uh, I think. Yeah, in the Horizon yes. League. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what uh, Tony Meeks was telling me last night. Um, yeah, so it's awesome that we're getting these. And I know there's more out there. I saw another one. To the point, the NFL made a big deal about its first uh, female official doing NFL games. I'm catching myself in the middle of NFL games going, hold on, that's another woman I didn't know was on a crew. Or it's becoming it's becoming second nature, and I love that. And to Crystal and Kara's credit and to the others who are who have been with them, they're also to, as you point out, they're doing so well that it's not an eye roll. When they come in, it's a sec it's not a second thought. You know they're gonna call a good game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They don't see they don't see male or female. They see official. They see the shirt, and that's and they, that's what that's all I wanted. I just wanted to give them a chance because I knew they were going to be successful. I was sitting there like a proud papa, watching in Indiana that night in the war room, watching those games, and I smiled from ear to ear for both of them because I was so happy for them. Yeah, I was as well. I wish I had been at Randolph making to see it in person, but it was certainly a good one to enjoy. Hey. um, curious if there's anything i was gonna i'm just trying to dive off of that somewhere but i don't know where i lost train my thought but anything about officiating in general this year that or or overall in your work that we haven't touched on that's been important to you no i don't i don't think we've touched on a lot of this stuff um the overall consistency is and accountability is getting better. The willingness to look at film and critique you, their, their, their own games is, is getting better. I am setting up a national website with the help of the coaches <clears throat> of getting plays from all over the country so that an official, if he wants to look at block charge plays, he can go into RefQuest Plus and 
if he's a member, which he has to be to referee the NCAA tournament, he can click on D3 uh, video and we'll have an archive of plays in there with 30 or 40 different categories. And, you know, if he wants to look at uh, block charge plays, he can click on the subject block charge and there'll be plays, our plays, not Division One plays. There'll be Division Three plays on there and he can look at them from across the country. And this will open up more avenues for people again when they have time and they're sitting around that they can just look at plays and get better without having to to look on synergy and find these plays. I'm the coaches are a big part of this. They're helping me out by sending me plays. That's awesome. So that, that's a big again, that's what I keep saying. The the transparency between the NCAA and the NABC, there used to be no dialogue. Now we're one unit just pulling the rope and trying to make it better for everybody. And, and we've been wanting that in a lot of ways. And, and I'm glad, you know, not just officiating, but I'm glad to hear it's working as well as it is. And I know you've been happy about it because when you and I converse, I get the sense and the different tone from you and the way our conversations go that things have improved in that way. And again, we can't get to perfection. I don't think you can with human nature, but it's great to hear that things are going in the right direction. And again, National Officiating Week, Jim, tip of the hat to you, to all your assigners, to every single official out there, whether we loathe them or not on a call that we see in front of us or we shake our heads or we applaud, whatever the case may be, they're doing the job. They're living up to the expectations that you all have for them. And I tip my hat to every single one of them out there in men's basketball at the Division Three level because uh, I've certainly noticed an improvement and I've enjoyed the games uh, because of your hard work and the rest of everybody else. David, thank you. And I appreciate what you do and, and everybody else on the Division Three network that, that promotes our game. Um, because, as you know, the product is terrific. The student-athletes, the coaches, the environment, it's great. And I can't say it enough on Twitter. Uh, you guys can't say it enough. The, the games are unbelievable, and I don't care where you go. They're unbelievable. The kids play hard. It's meant, it's, that's the way basketball is meant to be played, for the love of the game and the I can't wait to see what March brings. March is going to be incredible. It's going to be bonkers. And people wonder why I don't like watching the NBA. It's because I enjoy this brand of the basketball. And it's, I don't need to watch the show. I need, I want to show the actual game. Uh, Jim, thanks for your time. Uh, I don't know if you have any other final thoughts, but we always open the door for a final thought if you have one. Final thought would be for you guys to continue to promote what you're doing. For me, with the platform that I have to promote all the people and, and, and products that we're putting on the floor every night and for us all to push the rope in the same direction so that in three years, maybe after 10 years, and I can walk away from this and saying it's pretty good shape. I can leave now. Uh, no, sorry. You're not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you I didn't buy, get that memo. You didn't, I didn't, not until I buy lunch. Is that what it is? Well, no, there's going to be no, no, I think we put a clause in there that you just can't leave. Period. Sorry, sir, you're in. You're in it for the much longer haul. Yeah, I hope. Hopefully, I am. But right now, as long as I'm healthy, I'm going to continue to push forward. Yeah, and to that, sir, I, I'm glad to see you are you're looking better as well and and feeling better. And hey, tip of the hat again. Thanks for your time. I know it went long, but I really appreciate the insight. Great conversation as always. Look forward to catching up with you down the road, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'll stay in touch, David. Thank you. Definitely. Take care, Jim Haney. Joining us. He's out. In the Chicagoland area, 
checking out games. He's traveling. It's the only thing we didn't touch on. He travels to a lot of games too. And we and I know that everybody, as he said, appreciates that as well. We'll take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. You listen to Hoops Hill, presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we wrap up a show that has gone a little bit long here, um, appreciate you all tuning in. I do have to get going eventually here, but we're going to wrap up this show. Uh, we thought we'd only go two and a half today. We're going three, and it's because our last, uh, all of our guests have been absolutely outstanding. Uh, quick look at uh, games tonight, this Thursday night, if you happen to be tuning in before then. Um, on the men's side, Christopher Newport will be in action against Santa Cruz. Hopkins will be against be in action against mcdaniel those are the only top 25 teams rolling along tonight others some other interesting games out there uh gettysburg at franklin and marshall uh centennial men's race keep an eye on this one folks franklin and marshall gettysburg johns hopkins all nine and one two games back is swathmore at seven and three two games back of them is muhlenberg at five and five and then the rest Rosinus and Muhlenberg are in the last two spots of the conference playoffs right now with Dickinson just outside and then McDaniel Haverford, Washington College. This is a bonkers finish to the season, uh, or, or bonkers point in the season, I should say, with FM, Gettysburg, and Hopkins. Um, FM, uh, let's see, they have, as we mentioned, Gettysburg tonight uh, on a Thursday at 7.30. Then they're at McDaniel, and then they're at Ursinus before returning home against Muhlenberg, and then they'll get Hopkins and Swarthmore. I bring that up for a reason. Hopkins, in the meantime, is home against McDaniel, then at Ursinus, then they get Gettysburg before then on the road next Wednesday before playing Dickinson at home and then F&M. Flip that with Gettysburg. Gettysburg is entering the gauntlet. If they want to stay in this race, and they have really gotten better, they are at Franklin and Marshall tonight. They are home against Swarthmore Saturday. They are home against Hopkins on Wednesday. For Gettysburg, the season is this next three games. All of them are 9-1 and one in conference play. After this grouping, Gettysburg doesn't play anybody at the top of the conference the rest of the season. So while FNM and Hopkins have, a, have Gettysburg in this mix and a, a couple other challenges, their big top of the conference games are not for another week or two. Gettysburg, it's now. So the race in the Centennial 
could end up being twisted around this week with Gettysburg playing FNM, Swarthmore, and Hopkins. Obviously, Swarthmore trying to stay in the race. Gettysburg trying to stay up top against a really good uh, Hopkins team. And the one team that Gettysburg lost to in FNM, they lost to them at home. So now they got to beat the Diplomats on the road. Yes, I call a lot of Centennial Conference games, so I see this a little bit more up close. But I'm telling you, folks, this is worth watching in the next week. Thursday, Saturday, Wednesday for Gettysburg alone, plus the other games that are taking place. This is worth watching. I can't, I've been circling this for weeks. It is going to be worth it. That's coming up starting tonight. On the women's side, by the way, Johns Hopkins is hosting McDaniel, so it's a doubleheader there. ASC action, Mary Harden Baylor is uh, at East Texas Baptist, and Harden Simmons is at Sol Ross. That's all on the women's side. And this weekend, we got a bunch of great games, including in the UAA, obviously, in men's and women's basketball, starting tomorrow, a Friday. Um, Case Western in the men's basketball is at Chicago. Um, this is this is just top twenty-five. So I'm mentioning Washu or I'm mentioning uh, UAA, but I'm also mentioning others. Hamilton's at Trinity, tr- uh, Connecticut. Trinity, Texas is at Austin. Rochester is at NYU. Emory is at Brandeis. Carnegie Mellon is at Washu. By the way, a Rochester team that a couple weeks ago some guys were talking highly about have lost three straight and four of six, but they could rear their ugly head against NYU on the road. Emory has to play at Brandeis. That's that tough trip. By the way, this gets flipped next week. This is where they flip it in the UAA. So these four teams, all the four teams in the UAA, will play each other next week in the opposite places. So Case Western is playing at Chicago this week. They will play Chicago at home next week. Um, and there's other great games that will be played tomorrow night, especially in NESCAC play uh, and elsewhere. And there's another. There's some great games that will be on the women's side as well. Rochester's at NMIU. As we mentioned, Emory's at Brandeis. Connecticut College is at Bowdoin. This is women's basketball. Whitman at Willamette. That's going to be a huge game. Bates is at Middlebury. Um, so that's just Friday. We haven't even gotten into Saturday. So, hey, a lot of good basketball. Watch it online. Go to a gym. Check it out there if you have to as well. It's going to be worth your time, as you should know. Um, scheduling reminders. For every Thursday show, except for February 15th, we will be on at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern. February 15th, we'll be on at 7. That is the Top 16 show. Uh, more information on that coming up. In the next less than 24 hours, 18 hours, we will decide whether we'll do a mini marathon next Friday. I'll be honest with you. I may just wave the flag and go, I just can't do it. I, I, I've got too much going on. I need to. I need, I can't kill myself. And we'll have to skip the marathon for this year. I hate saying that, but that is where we are on the fence in terms of that. Um, let's see. There was something else. Uh, there is a Monday show coming up in later February that we may have to move to Tuesday due to travel for me. Um, I'm traveling from Arizona and uh, I may not be able to get back in time to do a show on that particular day. Um, it, Jim Haney mentioned all the other programs that are out there. Obviously there's a lot of, uh, guys out there doing shows now, which is awesome. We will start bringing our top 25 guys back in next week. I wanted to just take a, a bit of a break to reset things. Didn't have a ton to talk about. We'll get them back on future shows here in the near future. And one of the ideas I've also got is we may do a one-off show, uh, just starting to look at where things stand in terms of regional rankings and, and what teams have ahead of them. Um, also, we have a state of D3 that we'll be working on in the near future, and we talked about the officiating. So there's a bunch of stuff we got coming up that if we don't do the marathon, we will have some other content to add to the mix. Um, we'll be on the air Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll 
change up the regions as we have. You've probably gotten used to how we do that. But 7 o'clock next Monday, we'll be on the air. Uh, looking forward to getting our guests booked for that one. Um, again, if you've got a, a chance to go to a Division three game, watch it online, whatever the case may be, do a bunch of them, what, whatever. For the vast majority of, of Division three, it is free to watch them online, and it is worth watching those games online and support the student-athletes and everybody else out there um, who's doing it because, listen, this is this – is, uh, is, we're turning into the best part of the season, for starters, but these student-athletes are better and better every year, and it's been a thrill to watch. That's going to do it. Let's talk about our guests. I want to thank, once again, everybody who appeared on the show. Um, in Obviously, in order, Jeff Gard from Wisconsin-Platteville, Sherry Harrah from Baldwin-Wallace, uh, Melissa Cabreca, uh, Cab- yeah, Kubraka, I said that right, I believe, from St. John Fisher. Um, Aaron Kelly from Catholic, and of course, Jim Haney from the uh, Division Three Men's Basketball National Coordinator for Officials. Um, I want to thank all the sports information departments as well for their uh, hard work in helping us get these segments put together. Uh, Jeff and John and um, uh, Lindsay uh, and others, uh, I really appreciate all the assistance you gave us. Uh, also want to thank our support from D3 Hoops and D3 Photography as well. Um, we're going to sign off for now. We'll be back on the air um, on Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern time with another Hoopsville. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. If you get guest ideas, you're welcome to email us, hoopsville.d3sports.com, or get a hold of us on social media. Just look up D3 Hoopsville on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, or on Facebook at, at just Hoopsville. Um, send us a message. Send us an email. Send us whatever you need to do. Let us know where your uh, your guest ideas are. If you have a uniform or something you want to share that is going to get hung up in the background here somewhere, feel free to send it to us or send me a message. I'll get you our address and we can get that set up as well. If you're looking to advertise or to um, sponsor on this program, please get a hold of us as well. Just send me a message through the social media channels or just email soupsal at d 3 Sports. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoy a great another weekend of basketball because it's going to be a good one. Um, Make sure to go to d3hoops.com for all your links and information on who's playing and where and all the games you might want to take in. We certainly have all the schedules up to date there as we do. D3 boards, quick note before I let go. Um, Pat was going to try and get us something, but I got back to him a little late, so the timing didn't work. He is hoping that on Monday's show, we will have an update on D3 boards to share with all of you. And with that, we will sign off. You've been listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the Hoops Hill Studios. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch and listen to the show that's been around for 21 seasons now. Hoopsville, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for supporting our work. We look forward to catching up with you on Monday.